This recording was produced by Green Lane Masjid. For more information on the activities and services the mosque provides, please visit www.greenlanemasjid.org. Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. Ul'aqibatu lil-muttaqeen. Ul'a'udwana illa ala al-zalimeen. Wa ashadu an la ilaha illa allahu wahdahu la sharika lahu waliyu salihin. وأشهد أن نبينا محمد عبده ورسوله النبي المصطفى الأمين اللهم صل وسلم وبارك على عبدك ورسولك محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين أما بعد So today is the 29th day of this month of Ramadan of the year 1441 of the Hijrah of our Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم And so therefore this is the 29th session of the reading and commentary of Tafsir al-Jalalain by its two authors Jalaluddin al-Mahalli and Jalaluddin al-Suyuti alayhima rahmatullahi ta'ala and by Allah's permission and with his grace and blessing it will inshallah be the final sitting of this series because inshallah ta'ala today we begin with the final juz of the Quran the 30th juz with its first surah which is surah al-Naba Bismillahirrahmanirrahim Alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen wa sallallahu wa sallam wa baraka ala nabiyyina muhammad وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين سبحانك لا علم لنا إلا ما علمتنا إنك أنت العليم الحكيم اللهم علمنا ما ينفعنا وانفعنا بما علمتنا وزدنا علما يا رب العالمين اللهم اغفر لشيخنا ولوالدينا ولجميع المسلمين أما بعد قال المصنف رحمه الله تعالى في تفسير سورة النبأ The news This surah is Meccan and has 40 or 41 ayat So this is the 78th Surah of the Quran and it is Surah Al-Naba' and the word Naba' is referring to the news that Allah Azza wa Jal will mention in the second verse of this Surah. It is also known by, surah, by the names of Surah Amma and Amma Yatasa'alun. These are common names that you will find especially in the early works of Hadith and Tafsir. It is a Makki Surah by Ijma' of the scholars as mentioned by Al-Qurtubi rahimahullahu ta'ala and in our reading of the Mus'haf it consists of 40 verses. أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم عما يتساءلون About what are they in Quraysh asking one another? عن النبأ العظيم About the momentous news Clarifying what it is that they are asking about Meaning the part of the Quran that the Prophet وسلم, had brought Containing information about the resurrection and other things. And this is the position of many of the scholars of tafsir, that the news that they were inquiring about in more detail, as Ibn Kathir rahimahullah ta'ala mentions, is Yawm al-Qiyamah. This is what they wanted information regarding because of their doubts concerning it. And the Arabs generally were of two groups concerning Yawm al-Qiyamah and resurrection. Those who rejected it outright, and they were many, they never believed that there would be a resurrection. And they said, as Allah Azza wa relays concerning them and previous nations in multiple places in the Quran, when we become dust and bones, will we be resurrected as our forefathers? So that is one group. And the second group amongst the Arabs were those who were doubtful concerning it, meaning that they didn't outright reject it, but they didn't have iman and certainty in it. But they allowed for a possibility of it being so. But those people often also then fall into the group of even if there is a qiyamah, 
then we will be from those that Allah honors even more because Allah has favored us in the dunya, which therefore means that Allah loves us, which therefore means that if there is a resurrection, Allah Azza wa will favor us even more. The thing about which they differ. The believers affirm it and the unbelievers deny it. No, indeed. They will soon know. Meaning, they will know when the things they denied happen to them. Again, no, indeed. They will soon know. The repetition is for emphasis. The announcement of a second threat is stronger than the first. Then Allah indicates His power to resurrect them. Have we not made the earth a flat carpet spread out like a bed? And the mountains its pegs. They make the earth stable, as a tent is made stable by pegs. The question demands a positive response. We have created you in pairs, meaning male and female. We made your sleep a break, meaning rest for your bodies. We made the night a cloak, which veils things with its darkness. We made the day a time for earning a living. We built seven firm layers above you, referring to the seven heavens, which are strong and firm and not affected by the passage of time. We installed a blazing lamp, referring to the sun. The word for blazing, wahaj, refers to a kind of burning that gives out strong light. We sent down cascading water, meaning rain from the clouds, when it is the time for rain. Mu'sir are rain clouds which are on the point of having the rain pressed out of them. The word is also used for a girl who is about to menstruate, but has not done so yet. So that by it we might bring forth grain, such as wheat and plants, such as figs. And luxuriant gardens. The day of decision is a fixed appointment. The day when decision is rendered between creatures. It is the time appointed for the delivery of reward and punishment. The day the trumpet is blown by Israfil and you come in droves, different groups, from your graves for the gathering. And heaven is opened, read as Futihat and Futihat, for the descent of the angels, and becomes doorways. And the mountains are shifted from their places, turning into dust and becoming a mirage. They are like a mirage in that they are so insubstantial. Help lies in wait. A homecoming for the profligate, meaning the unbelievers. They will not go beyond it. It is where they will return to and enter. To remain in it for countless eons, ages without end. Not tasting any coolness there or any drink, meaning they have no sleep in it, no escape from the heat and nothing pleasant to drink. Except for boiling water, as hot as it is possible to be, and scalding pus, but as 
and which oozes from the people of the fire and which they drink. In these verses, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in verse number 23, and as I mentioned yesterday with many of these smaller surahs, the verses are relatively clear and the author Ta'ala does enough in terms of giving an explanation for them. But in verse number 23, Allah says, La They will remain in it for an ahqab. And a haqab in the Arabic language is a set period of time. And the scholars of tafsir differ as to how long it is, that period of time. Some of them said it is 70 years, some of them said 80 years, and some of them said other than that. But the point is that it is a set period of time. And Allah Azza wa mentions it in the plural, ahqaba, meaning for a number of set periods of time. Which then obviously raises the question, if Allah Azza wa is putting a time limit on it, meaning that the, the disbelievers remaining in the fire, then how do we reconcile with this and the other verses that seem to say that they will stay in it forever? They will remain in it forever, timelessly, for eternity. And so the scholars of tafsir have two different approaches. The first of them is the one that is favored by Imam al-Tabari and Shaykh Muhammad al-Amin al-Shantiti alayhima rahmatullah. And that is that the verse number 23 is in connection to verses 24 and 25. Meaning that what they will have a set period of time for that Allah Azza wa is referring to as Ahqaba is the drink that they will have of Hamim and Ghassaq. Meaning that they will drink and drink and drink for this for a period of Ahqab. For a number of eons, if you want to call it eons, or a set period of eight years for multiples of them, as long as Allah wills. And then they will move on to other forms of punishment. So therefore it is not about their duration in the fire, but rather the duration by which they are being punished by a single form of punishment, and that is the hameen, which is the boiling water, the ghassaq, which is the pus that will come out of the boils and the, and the people of the fire, and the evil liquid that will emanate from them. They will be made to drink from that as well. So that is one position. The other one is the one that is chosen by Qatada and al-Rabi ibn Anas from amongst the Salaf and others, and that is that Allah Azza wa says ahqaba, meaning that every, every single time, one period finishes, another one begins. So it is still eternity. But Allah Azza wa has made them into chunks of 80 years, 80 years, 80 years, or 70, 77, depending on which tafsir you take. And so therefore, it doesn't mean that it finishes, but rather every time one set period finishes, another one starts. Just as when their bodies and their skin melt off, their bodies, the skin melts off, Allah replaces it. So likewise, when one period of time finishes, Allah Azza wa replaces it and restarts it upon them. And Allah knows best. A fitting recompense for what they did. There is no wrong action worse than unbelief and no punishment more terrible than the fire. They did not expect to have a reckoning. They did not fear that there would be a reckoning because they denied the resurrection. And utterly denied our signs, meaning the Quran. We have recorded all things in writing. We have written down all actions exactly. Every single thing is recorded on the preserved tablet so that we may repay people for their actions. One of those actions is their disbelief in the Quran. Verse 30. This will be said to them in the next world when the punishment is inflicted on them. So taste your repayment. We will increase you only in punishment. A punishment on top of your punishment. For the God-fearing, there is triumph, meaning the garden. 
gardens and grapevines, describing the, the form their triumph takes. And nubile maidens with swelling breasts of similar age. And an overflowing cup of wine which is filled to the brim. Surah Muhammad mentions rivers of wine. In it, they will hear no prattle and no denial. But as kithaba and kithaba. In the garden when they drink the wine and in other states, they will hear no useless words, lies or denial, which is different from what happens in this world when someone drinks wine. A recompense from your Lord, a commensurate gift, which is so abundant that you would say, it is enough for me. Lord, read as Rabbi and Rabbu, of the heavens and earth, and everything between them, the All-Merciful, read as Ar-Rahmani and Ar-Rahmanu. They, meaning the creatures, will not have the power to speak to him, and to fear of him. On the day when the Spirit, meaning Jibreel, or the army of Allah, and the angels stand in ranks. لا يتكلمون إلا من أذن له الرحمن وقال صوابا. No one will speak except for him who is authorized by the Almighty to speak and says what is right. Among the believers and the angels who will intercede for those whom he is pleased with. In verse 38, Allah subhanahu wa taala says, يوم يقوم الروح والملائكة صفا. On the day when the spirit and then the author Allah taala says either Jibril or the army of Allah azza wa jal. And those are two different tafsir that you will find amongst others. As to what is the meaning of the word ar-ruh, but as we've mentioned before, that usually in the Quran, when the word ar-ruh is mentioned in the context of something coming and something being present, then it refers to the angel Jibril, alayhi salam, and that is the strongest of the opinions amongst the scholars of tafsir, as opposed to when the kalima or the word ruh comes in relation to the human body. Yes, because then it becomes the soul and the spirit. But as for the soul and the spirit in terms of the human body and its attachment to it. But the word ar-ruh in the context of revelation, in the context of qiyamah, in the context of the stories of the prophets, is in relation to the prophet uh, or the angel Jibreel alayhi salam. That will be the true day, meaning the occurrence of this day is confirmed. It is the day of rising. So whoever wills should take the way back to his Lord, meaning he should return to Allah by obeying him, so that he may be safe from the punishment on that day. We have warned you, meaning unbelievers of Mecca, of an imminent punishment which is coming on the day of resurrection, and a man will see what his hands have produced, meaning everyone will see what they have done, be it good or evil. And the unbeliever will say, Oh, if only I were dust. He will wish that he were dust so that he could not be punished. He will say that when Allah Almighty says to the animals after they have exacted, exacted retaliation from one another, be dust. In the last verse of Surah Al-Naba, Allah says, We warn you about an imminent punishment. And the imminent punishment is referring to Yawm Al-Qiyamah, not a punishment of the dunya. And that is because the Sharia generally speaks about Qiyamah in relation to this Ummah as being something very close. 
has been something very close. And that is why the Prophet said, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, when he first called the Quraysh to Allah, that I am warning you of an impending punishment that is coming. And that isn't something which means today or tomorrow, for it means relatively in terms of the overall age of the universe that Allah has created. It is extremely close to this ummah because we are the final ummah and our Prophet ﷺ was the final messenger. Surah Al-Nazi'at, the pluckers. This surah is Meccan and has 46 ayat. So this is the 79th surah of the Quran, Surah Al-Nazi'at. And Al-Nazi'at refers to the first verse that is going to be mentioned. And we will speak about that in more detail. Surah is Meccan as is mentioned by the author and that is by Ijma' of the scholars of Tafsir as mentioned by Imam Al-Qurtubi Rahimahullahu Ta'ala Bismillahirrahmanirrahim Wal-Nazi'ati Gharqa By those who pluck out harshly meaning the angels who pluck out the souls of the unbelievers with violent force In the first verse Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta'ala says Wal-Nazi'ati Gharqa and as we mentioned yesterday and on a number of occasions before Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta'ala takes an oath either by something by name or something by description. When it is by name, it is relatively easy in terms of understanding what it is that Allah is referring to. Although sometimes, as we saw in Surah Al-Najm, the scholars may differ concerning one Najmi, for example, Ida Hawa. Is it the star or is it referring to the Quran and its manner of revelation? The point being, though generally, it is understood. But when it is by description, as is the case in this Surah, in Surah Safat, it will come later on in Surah Al-Adiyat, what is it that the description is referring to? And this is a good example of that. The scholars differed over 10 different views concerning the meaning of a nazi'at from between wind and messengers and angels and a number of other things that they referred to. And the strongest of those positions is that Allah knows best what the author Ta'ala, has chosen. And that is that it is referring to the angels. But the angels, this time in their description, Allah refers to the way that they will take the soul. And he refers to two different ways. The first is in the first verse, which is the violence by which they will drag out the soul of the disbeliever. And in the second verse, the gentleness with which they will draw out the soul of the believer. And those who draw out gently, the angels who draw out the souls of the believers with gentleness and kindness. And those who glide serenely, the angels who glide down from heaven with the command of Allah. And those who outrun easily, meaning the angels who race with the souls of the believers to the garden. And that is one tafsir. It is the angels, but what is it that they are rushing to do? Is it to take the command of Allah? Is it to take the soul up to the heavens? Is it to do something else? The point is that Allah Azza mentions that they are extremely swift. And those who direct affairs, meaning the angels who manage the business of this world. The subject of these oaths, which is elided, is, O oh, unbelievers of Mecca, you will be resurrected. In verse number 5, Allah Azzawajal says, Mudabbirati Amra, those who direct affairs. And a better tafsir on Allah knows best is the one that is chosen by a number of the scholars, and that is that it refers to the way that the angels go from the heavens to the earth, fulfilling the commands of Allah Azzawajal. So those who direct affairs by the permission of Allah as they go from between the heavens and the earth. So they descend from the heavens with the command of Allah and they come to the earth and they apply what Allah has told them to apply. These five verses are the oaths that Allah takes subhanahu wa ta'ala in this surah. And as we mentioned previously, when there is an oath, there must be a jawab al-qasim, an answer to that oath. What is it that the oath is being taken for? And this is another surah where the majority of the scholars are of the opinion that the oath that is being taken for or what is being taken an oath for is hidden. It's not mentioned explicitly. 
and then they differ as they do differed in other surahs as to what that is and they have a number of opinions but from them is that it is to do with the Quran or with the truthfulness of the Prophet or what is extremely common in this scenario as chosen by Ibn Qayyim and others that it is for Yawm Al-Qiyamah that Allah Azza wa takes an oath to establish the reality of the Day of Judgment and Allah knows best On the day the first blast shudders the first blast shakes everything and so is described by what happens in it and the second blast follows it. There are 40 years between the two. The last day is long enough for both blasts and other things as well. Hearts that day will be pounding, anxious and full of fear. And eyes will be cast down, abject, because of the terrifying sights they see. They, meaning those with hearts and eyes, will say, in mockery to deny the resurrection, are we to be restored to how we were after death? The word used here, al-hafira, is a noun meaning the beginning of something. One says that someone is someone returns to his hafira when he goes back to where he came from. When we have become perished, read as nakhira and nakhira, meaning old and crumbling, worm-eaten bones. They say that will clearly be a losing restoration. Meaning, being restored to life, if it is true, will entail loss. Meaning that for the people of the fire, that they will say that if we are restored to life, there is a resurrection for us, there will be no good in it for us, because of the disbelief in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It will be but one great blast, a reference to the second blast that is followed by the resurrection. It will only be blown once. And at once it will be on the surface, wide awake. All creatures will be alive on the surface of the earth after having been dead inside it. Has the story of Musa reached you? Addressed to Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. When his Lord called out to him in the holy valley of Tua, read as Tua and Tuan. Go to Pharaoh, he has overstepped the limits in unbelief. And say, do you resolve to purify yourself? Read as I call on you to purify yourself from shirk by testifying that there is no God but Allah. I will guide you to recognition of your Lord by evidence so that you may fear him. Then he showed him the great signs, one of the seven signs, referring to the hand or the staff. But he denied it and disobeyed, meaning Pharaoh denied Musa and disobeyed Allah. And then he hastily backed away from faith and strove to bring about corruption in the earth. But then he rallied the magicians and his army and called out. Saying, I am your Lord most high. There is no there is no Lord above me. So Allah made an example of him and drowned him, seizing him with punishment in the next world and this world. It is also said that what is referred to here are not the next world and this world, but rather that the punishment is because of an earlier and later statement made by Pharaoh. The later being the one mentioned here, I am your Lord Most High, and the earlier, I do not know of any other God for you apart from me. Forty years passed between the two statements. 
There is certainly instruction in that which has been mentioned for those who fear Allah. Are you who deny the resurrection stronger in structure or is heaven? He built it. He raised its vault high and made it level. This describes how he built it. He made its elevation high. It is also said that this refers to its ceiling. He made it level without any fault in it. He darkened its night and brought forth its morning light. He made the light of the sun appear. He ascribed night to the sky because it makes it dark and the sun to it because it is the lamp of the sky. After that, he smoothed, he smoothed out the earth and spread it out. The earth was created before the sky, but was not spread out. And brought forth from it its water, as springs, and its pasture land, to be grazed by animals. In other words, grass, trees, and bushes, and foodstuffs, and fruits that are edible for mankind. And made the mountains firm on the surface of the earth, so that it would be stable. For you and for your livestock to enjoy. That is enjoyment and goods for you and for your flocks of camels, cattle and sheep and goats. When the great calamity, meaning the second blast of the trumpet, comes. That day, man will remember the good and evil of what he has striven for in this world. And the blazing fire will be displayed for all who can see, meaning everyone. As for him who overstepped the bounds and disbelieved, and preferred to follow his appetites in the life of this world, the blazing fire will be his refuge. But as for him who feared the station of his Lord, meaning the time when he will stand before Allah and forbade the lower self which commands to evil, the ruinous passions displayed by following its appetites, the garden will be his refuge, meaning the disobedient will go to the fire and the obedient to the garden. They, meaning the unbelievers of Mecca, ask you about the last hour. When will it arrive? What are you doing mentioning it? Meaning anything about it. You have insufficient knowledge even to mention it. Its coming is your Lord's affair. Meaning the knowledge of its time is with Allah and only He knows it. In verse number 42, Allah says that they ask concerning the hour. This is mentioned in the hadith of Aisha radiallahu anha. In the Mustadrak of Imam al-Hakim That the disbelievers kept asking and asking The Prophet ﷺ concerning Yawm al-Qiyamah Until Allah Azza wa Jal revealed These few verses from verses 42 onwards <laughs> You are only the warner of those who fear it Meaning your warning only benefits those who fear it on the day they see it, it will be as if they had only lingered in their graves for the evening or the morning of a single day. So Abbas, he frowned. 
This surah is Meccan and has 42 ayat. So this is the 80th surah of the Quran and it is surah Abasa. Surah Abasa and it is a Mecca surah by Jama'a of the scholars of Tafsir, such as Imam al-Qurti, as Imam al-Qurti mentions. And that is because the uh, cause of its revelation, which we will mention at the beginning of the surah, is a well-known cause of revelation that is authentically established. He, meaning the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam, frowned and turned away. Because the blind man came to him. The blind man was named Abdullah ibn Ummi Maktoum. The Prophet stopped him sallallahu alaihi wasallam, doing what he was doing because he hoped that some of the nobles of Quraysh would become Muslim and was eager for that to happen. The blind man, not knowing that he was preoccupied with that, called out to him. Teach me some of what Allah has taught you. The Prophet ﷺ went to his house. He was rebuked for his reaction by what was revealed in this surah. After that, whenever Abdullah ibn Umm Maktoum came, he used to say, Welcome to the one for whose sake he censured me. And he would spread out his cloak for him. And this is the cause of revelation as the author mentions, rahimahullahu ta'ala. And the basis of the, uh, of the, of the cause of revelation, the general, generality of the story is an authentic narration. The hadith of Aisha radiallahu anha in a tinmidi. And that is that when the Prophet was calling some of the Quraysh, he was speaking to them. Abdullah ibn Ummi Maktoum came. And Ibn Ummi Maktoum is a senior companion of the Prophet and he was one of the Mu'addins of the Prophet and that is why in the month of Ramadan, one of the famous hadith that you will read if you study the fiqh of fasting is the hadith concerning the Adhan of Fajr. And the Prophet said if Bilal makes the adhan, then continue to eat and drink. Meaning that Bilal makes the first adhan to wake people up and tell them that it's time for suhoor. So eat and drink until Abdullah ibn Ummi Maktoum makes the adhan. And that's the adhan of Fajr, meaning now you stop. So he was one of the muazzins of the Prophet And he was a blind man. And the companions used to say because he was blind, he would only make the adhan if people around him said to him, Asbahta, Asbaht. It's the morning, it's the morning, meaning it's time for fajr, it's time for fajr. Then he would get up and make the adhan. Radiallahu anhu arda, which has a number of fiqhi rulings and benefits that you can derive from that. But the point is that he was a senior companion. He came to the Prophet in the early Meccan days, and whilst the Prophet was speaking to him, he came and he started to say, O Messenger of Allah, teach me. Teach me from what Allah has taught you. Give me knowledge. Teach me. And the Prophet ﷺ frowned and turned away from him because he was preoccupied. And that is why in verse number 2, Allah refers to him as the blind man. Even though generally as we know, you don't refer to someone by way of something which they would probably be disliked to be called as. Someone who's blind, you don't go around referring to them as the blind one, the blind man, or the deaf man, or whatever it may be. But Allah mentions here, as the scholars of Tafsir say, the reason... The, the, the description of him being blind because it's the reason for which he interrupted the Prophet The other companions didn't interrupt him, but even Umi Maktoum did, couldn't see, didn't know what was going on. So his interruption of him isn't uh, intentional, it is accidental. And so Allah refers to this description of him because of this. What the author Ta'ala mentions at the end that the Prophet would say then after this, whenever he would see Ibn Ummi Maktoum, he would say, Welcome to the one for whose sake he censured me. That is an addition that is not authentic. Shaykh al-Bani said that I haven't found that narration in any of the books of hadith. So it seems to be an addition 
rather some of the wa'ad, some of the people who like to give reminders that used to be in the olden days that they added from themselves or something else but it is not found in any narration of this uh, incident. But how do you know? Meaning what will tell you? Perhaps he would be purified of wrong actions by what he hears from you. Or reminded, and the reminder benefit him. What he hears from you will benefit him. As for him who thinks himself self-sufficient because of his wealth, you give, read as, and him your complete attention. But it is not up to you whether or not he is purified, meaning whether or not he believes. But as for him who comes to you eagerly, showing fearfulness, meaning the blind man, from him you are distracted. Read as, and And in these verses we see that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is reminding the Prophet of a principle that has been mentioned previously in the Quran, in Surah Al-An'am. In the verse, وَلَا تَطْبُدِ الَّذِينَ يَدْعُونَ رَبَّهُمْ بِالْغَدَاتِ وَالْعَشِيِّ يُرِيدُونَ وَجْهَا And then again in Surah Al-Kahf in the verse, وَاصْبِدْ نَفْسَكَ مَعَ الَّذِينَ يَدْعُونَ رَبَّهُمْ بِالْغَدَاتِ وَالْعَشِيِّ يُرِيدُونَ وَجْهَا Be patient with those who call to the way of their Lord. And don't look beyond them seeking the benefits of the dunya. And again the Prophet has been told the same thing, that it would have been better for you to spend your time and your efforts with that man who is sincere, despite his weakness and despite his blindness and whatever else, rather than to busy yourself with those people who only seek to become arrogant and proud and are haughty and have no interest in seeking guidance and learning your message. No, indeed. Meaning, do not act like that. Truly it, meaning the surah or the ayat, is a reminder to all mankind. And this is similar to the verse that we took in Surah Muddathir. The difference being that in Mudathir we say inna which is the male uh, pronoun. Here it's the female. And the difference is a simple one. That one refers to the Quran and this one is referring to the surahs and the verses which are then taking the feminine form. And whoever wills, pays he to it. Meaning remembers and is warned by it. Inscribed on honored pages. Meaning honored in the sight of Allah. And in verse number 13, في مكرمة, the scholars differ as to what are those pages that are honored. Some of the scholars, such as Imam Al-Tabir, said it refers to the Lawh Al-Mahfur, the preserved tablet. And others said that it refers to the scriptures and the pages that are in the hands of the angels. And Allah knows best. Exalted in the heavens, purified of the touch of the shaytan. By the hands of scribes who copy it out from the preserved tablet. Noble, virtuous, obeying Allah Almighty, meaning the angels. And these are descriptions that Allah Azzawajal in verses 15 and 16 gives to the angels that they are safara. And safara is not just the one who copies, but the one who then uh, travels with that message and conveys it. And that is why an ambassador in the Arabic language is called a safir. Because he also travels with the message and he conveys it. So they are those that convey and they are kiramin barara, noble and virtuous. And barara isn't just someone of virtue, but someone who is trustworthy and someone who fulfills the trust that is placed upon them. And that is why in the hadith of Aisha, 
radiyallahu anha, the famous hadith in the Muslim of Imam Muhammad and others done it, that the Prophet وسلم, whoever recites the Qur'an and is proficient in its recitation is with the safaratul kiram al-barara. He will be with these angels. And they are the highest noble angels. And whoever reads the Qur'an and it is difficult upon them, then they will have a double reward. Cursed man with ingratitude. Curse the unbelievers. Allah rebukes them for the unbelief they display. From what thing did he create him? This is a rhetorical question which Allah then elucidates. From a drop of sperm he created him and proportioned him as a clot and then a lump of flesh until he was fully formed. Then he eases the way for him, meaning to emerge from the womb of his mother. Then he causes him to die and has him buried in his grave, where he covers him with earth. Then, when he wills, he raises him from the dead at the resurrection. No, indeed, he has not done what he, meaning his Lord, ordered him. Man has only to look at his food. Look here means to reflect on and consider. Has he not considered how his food is decreed and managed for him? We pour down plentiful water from the clouds. Then split the earth by means of plants into furrows. Then we make grain such as wheat and barley grow in it. And grapes and herbs. And olives and dates. And luxuriant gardens with many trees in them. And orchards and meadows. It is said that the word ab is where animals graze, and it is also said to mean figs. In verse number 31, Allah says, and fatiha doesn't mean orchards, it means fruit. And fruit is what Allah is referring to. And abba is the word that Abdullah ibn Abbas radiallahu anhuma, uh, which is a lesson that we take from the methodology of tafsir, that from the ways that we understand the Quran is by understanding the Arabic language in its pristine and original form. And if the companions didn't understand something, they would often go to the Bedouin Arabs who were known to have preserved the original Arabic language and to be more familiar with the terminology that is mentioned in classical Arabic and they would ask them concerning what they use it to refer to. And this is an example of Abdullah ibn Abbas عنهما, saying that as for Fatiha it is known, fruits, everyone understands. But what is Ab? So he said that I found a Bedouin man and I asked him, when you say Ab in your language, what is it that you refer to? So he pointed to the ground that the animals graze from, meaning fodder. And he said this is what is Ab. And so therefore it is as the author mentions and not as the translator. Fruits and fodder. That is the meaning of ab. Ab is fodder, meaning what the animals eat from, what they graze from, or their grazing fields. And so fodder is a better translation and Allah knows best. For you and your livestock to enjoy or use, as was stated in the previous surah. فَإِذَا جَاءَتْ الصَّاخَّةِ When the deafening blast, meaning the second blast, comes. يَوْمَ يَفِرُّ الْمَرْءُ مِنْ أَخِيهِ The day a man will flee from his brother. 
and his mother and his father and his wife and his children on that day every man among them will have concerns enough of his own his own situation will distract him from everything else and in verse number 37 the word imri refers to an individual person irrespective of their gender every person on that day will be more distracted with their own issues and as we said yesterday they would rather sacrifice and ransom their family and everything in the dunya than to have to suffer from the punishment that Allah Azza wa has prepared for them that day some faces will be radiant with joy laughing, rejoicing, full of joy these are the believers that day some faces will be dust covered overcast with gloom, dark those are the dissolute unbelievers they are subject to both unbelief and deviance Surah Al-Takweer the compacting this surah is Meccan and has 29 ayat this is the 81st surah of the Quran Surah Al-Takweer and it is a Meccan surah by Ijma' of the scholars of Tafsir as mentioned by Imam Qutubi rahimahullah ta'ala and in the narration of Ahmad al-Tirmidhi of Abdullah ibn Umar radiallahu anhumah the Prophet said sallallahu alayhi wa sallam whosoever wishes to know or whoever wishes to learn about the day of judgment as if they can see it before their eyes then let them read Surah Al-Takweer and Surah Al-Infitar and Surah Al-Inshiqaq which are these three surahs the Shamsu Kuwirat then the one after it the Sama'un Fatarat and then the one that comes a couple of surahs later the Sama'un Shaqqat whoever wishes to know what the day of judgment will be like as if it is before their eyes let them reflect upon these three verses when the sun is compacted in blackness meaning it is wound up and its light disappears when the stars go out and fall to the earth in rapid succession so as we see from verse number one from what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will cause to happen on Yawm Al-Qiyamah is that the sun becomes eclipsed, meaning that its light is removed. And Allah Azza wa doesn't say that its heat is removed. For the heat of the sun remains, it is its light that is taken away. And therefore we can understand then how on the Day of Judgment from the Hadith of the Prophet ﷺ that the people will sweat profusely and the sun will be brought close to the heads of creation. It is its light that will be removed. But the heat of it as it is brought close to people will remain. So they will suffer from its intense heat, but their light that they benefit from in the dunya will not be for them on that day because the light of Yom Qiyamah is from a person's iman. When the mountains are set in motion and become dust and vanish from the face of the earth. When the camels in foal are neglected. When pregnant camels are left without a shepherd or milk camels are left unmilked. When people are in shock because of what is happening, there is no type of property dearer to the Arabs than these. When the wild beasts are all herded together after their resurrection so that they can take retaliation from one another before turning to dust. When the oceans surge, read as sujirat and sujirat into each other, meaning when they are mixed and set on fire. And these signs that are mentioned from verses 1 to 6 in the opinion of a number of the scholars of tafsir, they take place before Yom Qiyamah. 
before the blowing of the trumpet because Allah says that the camels are going to be neglected and the wild beasts are herded together. So this is in the dunya then before Yawmul Qiyamah is established and that is the opinion of a number of the scholars of tafsir based on the context of these verses. And then Allah causes the trumpet to be blown and then what is remaining or what is going to be mentioned uh, after this from verse 7 onwards is then after the blowing of the trumpet on Yawmul Qiyamah and Allah knows best. When the souls are arranged into classes, one meaning of this is that it is when they are rejoined to their bodies. When the baby girl, buried alive out of fear of shame and poverty, is asked to rebuke her killer, for what crime she was killed, read as and she will say, I was not killed for any crime. In verses 8 and 9, something that we mentioned before, the practice of the Arabs that they would bury their daughters alive. Allah says, and this is to show how the rights of, Yom, of the dunya will be, the wrongs of, Yom, of the dunya will be righted on Yom Al-Qiyamah. And Allah gives this as an example, that that same girl will come and say to her parents, what sin did I commit for which you committed me to the ground? When the pages of actions are opened up, read as Nushirat and Nushirat. When the, heaven, when the heaven is peeled away from its place. When the fire is set ablaze, read as Su'irat and Su'irat. When the garden is brought up close to those destined for it, so that they may enter it. Then each soul will know what it has done. At the time when these things happen, which is the day of rising, every self will know whatever good or evil it has done. No, I swear by the planets with a retrograde, retrograde motion. Swiftly moving, self-concealing. These are the five planets, Saturn, Jupiter, Mars, Venus and Mercury. Retrograde means that they appear to move backwards, in that sometimes you will see a planet at the end of a constellation, and then it will go back to the beginning of it. They hide themselves when they go into occultation in various places, at which time they are no longer visible. In verses 15 and 16, Allah Azza wa takes an oath by these two things. And the scholars differ greatly as to what it is that it refers to. And one of the best tafsirs of this, and Allah Azza wa knows best, is the statement of the companion Ali ibn Abi Talib radiallahu That he said, Al-Khunnas are those things that are concealed, meaning from the heavens. Those things that are concealed by day are visible by night. Allah takes an oath by them. Because certain things you can't see during the day, they are hidden, they are still there, but they are hidden because of the daylight. And then they emerge at night. Al-Jawar al-Kunnas, those things that move swiftly in the orbit that Allah has set for them, in the past that Allah has given. And that's why you have this long tafsir here that Al-Mahalli rahimahullah ta'ala mentions, which is mentioned by other scholars of tafsir as well. And by the night when it draws in, meaning it comes with its darkness or when it withdraws. And by the dawn when it exhales, meaning expands until it becomes clear daylight. Truly it, meaning the Quran, is the speech of a noble messenger from Allah Almighty. This is a reference to Jibreel and is subscribed to him because he is the one who brought it down. Possessing great strength, securely placed with the Lord of the throne, meaning he has a high position before Allah Almighty. Obeyed there, trustworthy. The angels in the heavens obey Jibreel and he is entrusted with the revelation. Your companion is not mad. 
This is the subject of the earlier of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is not mad as you claim. He, meaning Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, saw him, meaning Jibreel, in the form in which he was created, on the clear horizon, the highest horizon towards the east. Nor is he, Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, miserly with the unseen. He does not conceal the revelation. There are two readings in this ayah. One is dhanin, meaning he is not miserly in conveying what has been conveyed to him by concealing it. The second is dhanin, meaning that he does not doubt it. In uh, this verse, verse number 24, what is being referred to, وَمَا هُوَ عَلَى الْغَيْبِ بِضَنِينَ refers to Jibreel alayhi salam. And it's not referring to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam, nor is he, because it continues from the previous verses that speak about the virtues of the angel Jibreel alayhi salam. So that is a mistake that is, seems to have been made by the, um, by the translator, and Allah knows best. But it means that he is not... Um, he is not miserly with unseen, meaning that the revelation that comes to him, he is not stingy with it, meaning he conveys it as it is given to him. Nor is he a liar concerning it. Nor is he false or a liar concerning it. And Allah knows best. Nor is it, meaning the Quran, the word of an accursed shaytan, which he overheard. Where then are you going? Meaning, what path are you traveling in your denial of the Qur'an and turning away from it? It is nothing but a reminder to all the worlds, to jinn and mankind. To whoever among you, whether from the jinn or from mankind, wishes to go straight and follow the truth. وَمَا تَشَاءُونَ إِلَّا أَن يَشَاءَ اللَّهُ رَبُّ الْعَالَمِينَ But you will not wish to go straight unless Allah wills you to go straight. The Lord of all the worlds, all creatures. In the last... Uh, okay, yeah, that's fine. Okay. Surah Al-Infitar, the splitting. This surah is Meccan and has 19 ayat. This is the 82nd surah of the Qur'an, Surah Al-Infitar. And this is also one of those surahs that we mentioned in the hadith that speaks about Yawm Al-Qiyamah in vivid detail. It is a Makki surah by Ijma' the scholars of Tafsir as mentioned by Al-Qurtubi rahimahullah. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim Idhas samaun fatarat When the sky is split apart Wa'idhal kawakibun tatarat When the stars fall from their places and are strewn about Wa'idhal bihaaru fujirat when the seas flood and overflow, meaning run into one another and become one body of water, and the salt and sweet water mix. When the graves are emptied out and the dead are resurrected. Each self will know at that moment what it has sent ahead and left behind, by way of actions it did and did not do. That means the day of resurrection. And as you can see again from the opening passage of this surah, and all the verses that we have taken so far in the Quran that speak about Yawm Al-Qiyamah, and what will happen in that day gives you one reality. And that is that on that day, everything that we take for granted as a law of physics and law of the universe will be appended. It will change. We consider the mountains to be firm in their structure. They will become dust. We consider the oceans to be there in the way that they are and they will be set ablaze. We consider the heaven to be above us and it will be ripped apart open. And so on and so forth. Everything that we consider to be a part of the heavens and the earth in the way that its structure is will be changed. And that is because Allah Azza wa will show on that day that He is the one 
who is keeping all of that intact by his command subhanahu wa ta'ala. So when he commands that no longer should it be that way, it will no longer remain that way. And that is when people will realize the reality of that situation. In verse number 5, Allah Azza wa says, عَلِمَتْ نَفْسٌ مَا قَدَّمَتْ وَأَخَّرَتْ Each person will know what they sit ahead and what they kept back. And the author says in terms of actions. And that is one tafsir. Some of the scholars said in terms of the good and the evil that they did. And others from amongst them did said in terms of the obligations that they fulfilled and the obligations that they did not fulfill. And others from amongst them, such as Imam al-Tabari said, what they put forth and kept behind, meaning the first of their actions and the last of them. And they have similar meanings, all of them. Meaning that everything that they do will be presented before Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Ya ayyuhal insanu ma ghurraka bi rabbika al-kareem O unbelieving man, what has deluded you in respect of your noble Lord, so that you disobeyed him? Alladhi khalaqaka fasawwaka fa'adalak he who created you when you were nothing and formed you and proportioned you, read as Adalak and Addalak, as a balanced creation with symmetrical limbs, so that a hand is not in the place of a foot or vice versa, or one foot larger than the other. And assembled you in whatever way he wills. In verse number 8, Allah says that Allah created us and then he formed us and fashioned us and assembled us the way that he will, subhanahu wa ta'ala. Mujahid, rahimahullah, the famous scholar, the tabi'in, student of Ibn Abbas, said the meaning is that that's why you have a child that sometimes resembles the father more than the mother, and another one that resembles the mother more than the father, and then a third one that resembles neither of them, but resembles a grandparent more, or an aunt, or an uncle. Allah Azza wa Jalla assembles them as He will, subhanahu wa ta'ala. Yes, indeed, but still you, meaning unbelievers of Mecca, Deny the judgment, meaning the repayment for actions. This denial stems from the be- being deluded by the generosity of Allah. Standing over you are guardians, meaning angels who record actions. Noble in Allah's sight, recorders of actions. Who know what you do. And as Ibn Qayyim ta'ala says concerning these verses 10 to 12, Allah describes them in this way and mentions them so that a person should be shamed, uh, have shame in front of them, be embarrassed before them in terms of the sins that they are committing and the evil that they are doing. Allah calls them noble and virtuous so that normally, because normally even a person who does evil, if they see someone that they respect and they see someone of nobility, they feel a sense of shame. And they know that what they're doing is wrong. And so they have that kind of shame within them. And it is from the problems of our time where even that shame is unfortunately sometimes void from people. But the point is that that is the general rule. And so Allah Azza wa describes the angels in that way so that for each of us, when we're about to sin, not only do we know that Allah is watching us, but we have these angels that are noble and are virtuous and they see us and they record us. And so that should bring within us some level of shame. The truly good, meaning the believers who are true in their faith, will be in perfect bliss in paradise. The dissolute, meaning unbelievers, will be in a blazing fire. They will enter it and roast in it on the day of judgment. And will never get away from it. What will convey to you what the Day of Judgment is? Again, what will convey to you what the Day of Judgment is? The 
repetition is to emphasize its immensity. It is the day when no soul, when no soul will have no power to help any other soul in any way, meaning you will not be able to benefit anyone then. The command that day will be Allah's alone, and there will be no middle ground, which is not the case in this world. Surah Al-Mutafifin, the stinters. This surah is Meccan or Medina. It has 36 ayahs. In, this is the 83rd surah of the Quran, Surah Al-Mutaffifin, Surah Al-Mutaffifin. And as you can see here from the statement of the author, Rahimahullah Ta'ala, there is a difference of opinion concerning whether it is a Makki surah or a Madani surah. But the majority of the scholars are of the opinion that it is a Madani surah, that it is a Madani surah. They based it on a hadith of Ibn Abbas that is collected in the sunnahs of An-Nasai and Ibn Majah. That he says that when the Prophet first came to Medina, the people of Medina used to, used to shortchange people in the way that they would do business. And mutaffifin refers to those people who are not just in the way that they do business. <coughs> Meaning that they cheat, cheat people and they shortchange them. And so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed these verses concerning the people of Medina, the practices that they had amongst them before the Prophet came. And it is on that basis that the majority of the scholars said that this surah is a Madani surah. And it is reported from some of the salaf that they said that it is a Makki surah and Allah knows best. And this is the <coughs> surah that begins with the word of destruction, wail. And similar to it will be the one that will come to inshallah ta'ala towards the end of this juz, which is surah al-humaza. And both of them begin with the word wail, which as we said, refers to a type of destruction and punishment. And the, the link between the two, the connection between these two surahs, is one speaks about the evil of people in terms of their business dealings, and the other one, which is Surah Humaza, will speak about the evil of people in terms of their verbal speech. And those are the two harms that people can do most, in terms of what they say to people, and in terms of the way that they do business with them, and in terms of their of their wealth and their money. And Allah knows best. Woe to the stinters. The word woe, wail, means punishment or a valley in the fire. Those who, when they take a measure for people, exact full measure. But when they give them a measure or weight, hand over less than is due. They exact their due and then give short measure or weight to others. And this is similar, as we mentioned on a number of occasions, to the story of the people of Madian the nation of Shu'ib they will do something similar when it comes to their rights they take them in full and when it comes to the rights of others they shortchange them do such people not realize that they will be raised up this question is a rebuke on a terrible day meaning the day of rising the day mankind will stand before the Lord of all the worlds, when they will be raised up from their graves in front of the Lord of all creatures for his command, reckoning and repayment. No, indeed, the book of the dissolute is in Sijin, the book of the actions of the unbelievers. It is said that Sijin is the book of all the actions of the shaytan and the unbelievers. It is also said to be the place of the lowest of the seven earths and is the place of Iblis and his armies. This, uh, in verse number seven, the statement of Allah Azza wa Jal, كَلَّا إِنَّ كِتَابَ الْفُجَّارِ لَفِي سِجِّينَ Know indeed the book of the dissolute, meaning the evildoers, 
is in Sijin. And the scholars differ greatly as to what the word Sijin means, what it refers to. And basically all of those different opinions can be brought down into two broad categories. The first of them is those that say that Sijin is the name of a place. And the second is those who say that it is a description. Sijin is a description. As for those who say that it is a place, they differ amongst them. But the most or the majority of them say that it is the name of the lowest part in, of the earth. The lowest of the seven earths. And that is that the record of those people who do evil then is placed that low. That is how low it goes away from the blessed company of the heavens and where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is above the heavens and above his throne subhanahu wa ta'ala. And those scholars who said that it is a description said, as Ibn Kathir rahimahullah mentions in his tafsir, it refers to extreme difficulty and it being constricted and being in a place which is not pleasant at all. But the point is that either way it refers to how the record of those people is treated. And what we compare to you, what means the book of Sijin is a clearly written, sealed book. Woe that day to the deniers. Those who deny the day of reckoning and repayment. No one denies it except for every evil aggressor who exceeds the limit. When our signs, meaning the Qur'an, are recited to him, he says, mere myths and legends of the previous peoples, meaning stories which they wrote down in the past. No, indeed. This is a rebuke and reprimand for what they said. But what they have earned by ways of acts of disobedience has rusted up and covered their hearts. And this meaning in verse 14, No indeed, but what they have earned has rusted up and covered their hearts. This is the same meaning that is mentioned in the well-known hadith of Abu Hurairah radiallahu anhu Surah ibn Majah, that the Prophet sallam said that when a person sins, a black dot is placed in their heart. And if they make tawbah, it is wiped away. But if not, then black dots keep being added and added until you have a heart that is pure and white and a heart that is covered in darkness. And that is the meaning here. That it is because of their sins that their heart became rusted and it became darkened because of the evil that they committed in terms of their sins. No, indeed. Rather that day, meaning the day of rising, they will be veiled from their Lord and will not see Him. Then they will enter and roast in blazing fire. Then they will be told, this is what, meaning the punishment you denied. No, indeed, the book of the truly good, meaning the book of the deeds of the believers who are sincere in their faith, is in Iliyum. It is said to be the book of all the good actions of the angels and of the believers among the jinn and mankind. It is a place in the seventh heaven under the throne. And in verse 18, that is the position of the majority of the scholars of Tafsir. The Iliyin is in the highest part of the heavens. So Sijin is in the lowest part of the earth, the seven earths, and the Iliyin is in the highest part of the seven heavens. And that is the distance and the difference between those who do good and those who do evil. And what will convey to you what, meaning the book of Iliyun is. 
A clearly written sealed book. Those angels brought near the witnesses. The truly good will be in perfect bliss in the garden. On couches in alcoves, gazing in wonder, contemplating the gifts that they have been given. You will recognize in their faces the radiance of delight. In verse number 23, the author, when he often speaks about the couches of Jannah, he says something that the translator always translates as an alcove. And what that gives the meaning of is that there is a, a niche or an alcove in a wall or something, and that's where they are. And what the author, rahimahullah, I think is referring to in all of these verses is what is mentioned in some of the books of Tafsir, that the couches that the people of Jannah have will have a canopy with it. It's as if it is an alcove, in the sense that there is a canopy above it, so they are shaded from above. And that is a more beautiful way of it being a couch. It's almost like it's a throne with its own canopy. That is what is being referred to, and I think that that is what the translator uh, translates in a different way, from uh, maybe that gives a different understanding to what is being intended, and Allah knows best. They shall be given the choicest sealed wine to drink. This is a wine that is free from any impurity. Its container is sealed and only opened by the person who drinks it. Who seals his mask. The dregs of his drink give off the fragrance of mask. Let people with aspiration aspire to that and raise one another to obey Allah. In verse number 26, Allah Azza describes this wine of Jannah and He says, خِتَامُهُ misk. Its seal is of musk. And the scholars differ as to what that refers to. One of them, one of those opinions is what Al-Mahadi rahimahullah mentions at the end of verse 25. خِتَامُهُ misk That it is sealed with the seal of musk. That is one tafsir. The second one is the one that he then chooses in 26, and that is the position of Imam al-Tabari amongst others, alayhi rahmatullah, is that the end of that drink is musk. Meaning when a person finishes drinking, what they have at the end is musk. That is the odor that then emanates from their mouth. Because as we know, with the wine of the dunya and the alcohol and the beer of this world, is that when a person drinks from it, it leaves a foul odor from them and their bodies and their mouth. So Allah says, khitamuhu misk. In Jannah, it is different. And the third opinion amongst the scholars is khitamuhu misk, meaning that the wine of Jannah is mixed with musk. It is mixed with musk. And Allah knows best. وَمِذَاجُهُ مِنْ تَسْنِيمِ Mixed with tasneem, explained as A fountain at which those brought near will drink and which they will enjoy. In verse 27, وَمِذَاجُهُ مِنْ تَسْنِيمِ Mixed with Tasneem, Abdullah ibn Abbas radiallahu anhumah said, Tasneem is the best of the drinks that Allah has prepared for the people of Jannah. Those who did evil, such as Abu Jahl and others like him, used to laugh at those who believed, such as Ammar, Bilal and others like them. When they passed by them, meaning the believers, they, meaning the wrongdoers, would wink at one another. They would indicate the believers with winks to mock them. And that is well as not from the characteristics of a Muslim. Yataqamazun is that they would make a facial feature, they would wink, they would do something to show their disapproval. And that is why the Prophet said it is not befitting for the Prophet of Allah to have the deception of the eye, meaning that he winks at someone with a private message which goes against what he is saying to the people in front of him. 
And that was why it's not from the characteristics of a Muslim or a believer either. That you wink to someone in a private way when there are other people sitting with you. That you understand something that no one else understands. And that is similar to the verses that we mentioned in Surah Al-Mujadala of a Najwa. Of having that thing where you have a private consultation and exclude a third person from it. Or a group of them. And then they think bad things about you. That is also, and this is also from, therefore then, not from the attributes of the believers. When they return to their families, they would make a joke of them, meaning the believers, read as Fakihin and Fakihin. When they saw them, meaning the believers, they would say, Those people are misguided because they believe in Muhammad. Allah says, but they were not sent as guardians over them, of the believers or their actions, that they could turn them to their best interests. So today, meaning the day of rising, those who believe are laughing at the unbelievers. On couches, gazing in wonder in paradise. The believers will look from their houses at the unbelievers who are being punished. They will laugh at them, as the unbelievers laughed at them in this world. Have the unbelievers been rewarded and repaid for what they did? Surah Al-Inshiqaq, the bursting. This surah is Meccan and has 23 or 25 ayah. This is the 84th surah of the Quran, Surah Al-Inshiqaq. And as I met this surah by Ijma'ah, the scholars of Tafsir, as mentioned by Imam Qurtubi, rahimahullah ta'ala, and in our reading of the Mus'haf, it contains 25 verses. When the sky bursts open, hearkening to its Lord as it is bound to do, when it hears and obeys and splits open as it must. When the earth is flattened out, its expanse is increased as its skin is stretched, and there no longer remains on it any building or mountain. And disgorges what is inside it of the dead, and empties out, meaning casts them onto the surface. Hearkening to its Lord as it is bound to do, when it hears and obeys what is required of it. All of that will take place on the day of rising. After that, human beings will be shown their actions. In verses 2 and 5 of this surah, there is a repetition of the verse, Hearkening to its Lord as it is bound to do. And hearkening means that it is subservient, submitting to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and his command jalla fi ula. Why is there a repetition? Because in verse number 2, it is referring to the heavens that are in obedience to Allah. And in verse 5, the earth that is in obedience to Allah. And so the repetition is to signify the difference between the two. And both are subservient to Allah. Ya ayyuhal insanu innaka kadihun ila rabbika kadhanun famulaqih. Man, you are toiling laboriously, striving by means of your actions, towards a meeting with your Lord which happens at death. But meet him, you will. Man will be faced with his actions of good or evil on the day of rising. As for him who is given his book, meaning the book of his actions in his right hand, in other words, the believer, he will be given an easy reckoning. 
This is in the presentation of his actions, as is reported in the hadith in the, in the two Sahih collections, which states, whoever has his reckoning examined will be punished. After the presentation, he will be pardoned. In verse number 8, this hadith is a Sahih hadith of Aisha radiallahu anha, that the Prophet said, sallallahu alayhi wasallam, whoever is challenged, meaning that they have to go through their record of deeds. So there is a difference for the believers between just being presented with a record of deeds that is done for all of them or between Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala holding people to account and questioning them. The Prophet said, Man Whoever goes through that detail accounting will be punished. And that is why from the du'as that are authentically reported from the Prophet is that he would say, Allahumma hasibni hisaban yasira. Oh Allah, give me an easy and quick accounting. And return to his family in paradise joyfully. But as for him who has given his book behind his back, this is the unbeliever who has his right hand chained to his neck. His left hand is put behind his back and he has given his book in it. In verse number 10, what the author Ta'ala, is saying, therefore, and is the position of the scholars of tafsir, that there is no contradiction between this verse of the disbeliever receiving their record of deeds behind their back and between other verses in the Qur'an that say that they will receive them in their left hand as mentioned in Surah Al-Waqi'ah and other than Surah Al-Waqi'ah and that is because the disbeliever receives it in their left hand that is behind their back so we reconcile between the two in that way He will cry out for destruction when he sees the situation he is in he will pray to be destroyed that will enter and be roasted, read as Yasla and Yusalla in a searing blaze. He used to be exultant in his family, his clan in this world. He used to exult in his followers because of his clan. He thought that he was never going to return to his Lord. Verse 15 Indeed, he certainly will return to him. But in fact, his Lord was always watching him. Allah knows that he will return to him. No, the word no is redundant. I swear by the evening glow, the redness on the horizon after the setting of the sun. In verse 16, the word no is not redundant. As we mentioned yesterday in the tafsir of Surah Al-Qiyam, and I went into detail as to the different positions of tafsir. So the word no is not redundant. But you go back to those different opinions amongst the scholars of tafsir. And the night and all it enshrouds, meaning the animals and other things. And the moon when it is full of light, and its light is at its greatest, which is on the white night, the 14th of the lunar month. He will certainly mount up, read as Tamkabunna and Tamkabanna, stage by stage. O people, you will proceed stage after stage. First death, then resurrected life, and after that the stage of the rising. What is the matter with them, meaning the unbelievers, that they do not believe? What prevents them from believing? What evidence do they have for abandoning faith when the proofs exist? And when the Qur'an is recited to them, do not prostrate. Why do they not humble themselves when it is recited and believe because of its inimitability? In fact, those who disbelieve say that it, meaning the resurrection and other things, is lies. 
والله أعلم بما يوعون. But Allah knows best what they are storing in their hearts. He knows what is being collected in the pages of their actions in terms of unbelief, denials, and evil deeds. فبشرهم بعذاب أليم. Give them the news of painful punishment. إلا الذين آمنوا وعملوا الصالحات لهم أجر غير ممنون. Except those who believe and do right actions, they will have a wage that never fails. Their reward is not cut off nor decreased, and they are not indebted for it. Surah Al-Buruj, the houses of the zodiac. The surah is Meccan and has 22 ayat. This is the 85th surah of the Quran, Surah Al-Buruj, and as the author mentions, it is a Meccan surah by Ijma, or the scholars of Tafsir is mentioned by Al-Qurtubi, rahimahullah. By heaven with its houses of the zodiac, twelve constellations mentioned in Surah Al-Furqan. That is one position amongst the scholars of Tafsir that it refers to those twelve signs of the zodiac that we all know that the author Allah mentioned before. And the other position amongst the scholars of Tafsir is that it refers to everything that Allah has placed in the heavens from the stars and the sun and the moon and the planets. And Allah knows best. And the promised day, meaning the day of rising. And the witness and the witness. This may mean that the witness is Friday and the witness is the day of Arafah. An interpretation made by three people in a hadith. The first is an agreed time and the second has actions witnessed in it. The third is that the people and the angels visit it. The object of the oath is elided. And in verses 2 and 3, verse 2, by Ijma'a of the scholars of Tafsir. The Yawm al-Maw'ud is Yawm al-Qiyamah by Ijma'a. But verse 3 is where they differ greatly. And there are some 20 different views amongst the scholars concerning what is the meaning of Washahidin wa Mashhud, the witness and the witnessed. In one narration of Abu Hurairah, he says that the day that is witnessed is Arafah and the witness is Jumu'ah, Friday. And that is a common position amongst the scholars of Tafsir. Another said they refer to the day of the ninth and the tenth of the Hijjah, Arafah, and the day of Eid. Another said no, one is referring to the, the witnessed or the humans or the witness or the angels. And some of them said no, it is the heart and the limbs. And 20 different views, as I said. The strongest of them, and Allah Azza wa knows best, is a position that was chosen by Imam al-Tabari and Ibn al-Qayyim, alayhim rahmatullah, is that it includes all of that. Because each one of them is established in the Sunnah as either being a witness to something or, by, or being witnessed by something, including Friday and Arafah and so on. And so therefore they chose the position that it includes all of those things of the scholars of the Salaf and as we've mentioned previously on a number of occasions, that is always a good methodology in Tafsir where it is possible to do. Cursed. The word Qutila, which literally means killed, is used as a curse. Be the companions of the pit. In verse number 4, Allah Azza wa mentions the story of the people of the ditch, or the people of the trench, or the pit. And this is in a long hadith in Sahih Muslim, the hadith of Suhaib. Radiallahu anhu, the Prophet said, sallallahu alayhi wasallam, that there used to be a king who had a sorcerer that would do his magic for him. But when the sorcerer became old, he said to the king, I am too old now to do this. So find me an apprentice, a student, that I can teach that will continue my work after me. So the king sent to him a child, a young boy, that he thought would make a good student and apprentice for him. So he begins to learn magic from him. But on the way, this king is a tyrant and a, an evil ruler, and someone who used to consider himself to be God on earth. But the student, as he would walk from his home, 
unto the uh, the magician's home, the house of the magician, he would pass by a scholar, a rahib, a monk, a rabbi, and he would learn from him, and he would listen to him, and he was amazed by him. So then when he became late, when he would end up going late to the magician's house, he would be beaten. And if he stopped by the rabbi on the way home, and he came home late, his parents would beat him. So he said to the rabbi one day, I have a problem either way. If I'm late one place, they beat me. If I'm late the other place, I'm beaten. So the rabbi said to him, blame the other. If you come to the magician, you say to him, it's my family that delayed me. And when you come to your family, say it's the magician that delayed me. And that way, both of them can do nothing. And this continued for a period of time. Until one day, as he was going towards the house of the magician, he saw a great beast, it is said, or an animal that was blocking the path and the people were extremely afraid. So the boy said to himself, today I will know which of the two is more beloved to Allah, the rabbi who teaches Tawheed and the worship of Allah, or the magician that teaches Shirk and Kufr. So he took a stone and he said, Oh Allah, if you love the rabbi more than the magician, then save us from this animal. And he threw the stone and the stone killed the animal. And so then he came and he told the rabbi, this is what happened. The rabbi said to him, that indeed today you are better than your teacher and your affair will become known. And when it becomes known, whatever you do, don't tell people about me because you will be tortured when they find out what you are doing. So he went and by the permission of Allah, he would cure the blind and the leper. And he would help people. And his affair became known amongst the people. And each time a person came to him, he would say to them that this is from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Until one day one of the close associates of the king, one of the people that was his advisors, was a blind man. Or he was afflicted by blindness. And so as he was inquiring for medicine or a cure, someone told him to go to the child. So that when, they, when he came to the boy, he said to him, not a child, but a, a young man. When he came to the young man, he said to him, I want you to cure me. The young man said, it is not I that cure, but it is Allah who cures. And if you believe in Allah, Allah will cure you. So the man has iman and Allah cures him. And then on the next occasion when he meets the king, the king says to him, who cured you? You were blind. He says to him, my lord. He said, but I didn't cure you, meaning the king, thinking that it's referring to him as his lord. He said, no, my lord and your lord is Allah. He said, how dare you take a lord other than me? So he tortured him and tortured him until he told him about the young man. The young man or the young boy is bought. And he's tortured and tortured until he comes and he tells him about the rabbi. So the king brings the man who was cured, the blind man, and he says, if you don't disbelieve in this God of yours, meaning Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, I will sow you in half. So he's sown in half. And then he says the same thing to the rabbi. And he's sown in half. And then he says to the child, he says to the advisors or his army around him, as for the young boy, take him to the highest mountain that you can find. And if he disbelieves in his Lord, then let him go. And if he doesn't, then throw him off. So they take him to the highest mountain of the land. And as he's at the peak of the mountain, the boy says, Oh Allah, save me from them. So the mountain begins to tremble. And those men die. And he comes back, the young boy, to the house of the king or the palace of the king. The king then orders another army or another group of soldiers to take him into the middle of the ocean. And when the waves are at their strongest, to throw him in unless he recants and apostates. So they do so, and he makes the same dua, Oh Allah, save me, and Allah saves him. So he comes back to the king, and he says to the king, You will never kill me, except one way. And that is that you gather all of the people together, and then you put me on a cross, meaning crucify me. But before you crucify me, or as you're trying to crucify me, you take an arrow from my own batch of arrows. And then you say, By the name of Allah, the Lord of the boy, I kill him. And you invoke Allah's name, and by doing so, you will kill me. There is no other way for you. So the king does so, and he gathers the people, and he makes the, invokes the name of Allah as he was commanded to do so by the boy. 
and then he kills the boy. But when the people see this, they believe in Allah. The advisors of the king say the very thing that you feared has transpired. Everyone has become a Muslim. So he orders these massive ditches and trenches to be dug and set ablaze with fire. And then he throws those people in. And from amongst those people is a woman who has a suckling child. And as she comes closer to the precipice of that trench or that ditch, she hesitates. So the child speaks to her and says, the baby speaks to her and says, Be patient, O my mother, for you are upon the truth. And they fall in. And so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, this is what Allah is referring to. And that is the child that Prophet authentically said is one of the children or babies that Allah gave the ability to speak within that period of, of infancy. The fire well stopped with fuel. When they were seated right beside it, on chairs at the side of the pit. Witnessing what they did to the believers, how they tortured those who believed in Allah by throwing them into the fire when they would not recant their faith. The witnesses were present. It is related that Allah saved the believers cast into the fire by taking their souls before they actually fell into it, and that the fire rose up and burned the others who were present. And Allah knows best concerning, concerning uh, what is the meaning of that, but the position amongst a number of the scholars of tafsir is that we don't know Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows best what happened, but clearly Allah azza wa punished those people. The only reason they punched them was because they believed in Allah, the Almighty, in His kingdom, the praiseworthy in what He does. Him to whom the kingdom of the heavens and the earth belongs. Allah is witness of all things to all the objections made by the unbelievers against the believers simply because they believe. Those who persecute believing men and women by burning them and then do not repent will have the punishment of hell for their unbelief. And they shall have the punishment of the burning of hell fire. They will be punished in the next world for burning the believers. It is said that that came about in this world when the fire burst out of the pit and burned them. And that is one position amongst the scholars of tafsir. The position of Imam al-Tabari ta'ala, is the adab al-akhirah, is the punishment of the hereafter. And al-hariq is the punishment in this life that Allah gave to them. And Allah knows best what it was. That those who believe and do right actions will have gardens with rivers flowing under them. That is a great victory. And in verse 11, despite all of those people being killed and not a single one of them having survived, Allah calls it the great victory. Because the victory that Allah gave to them is the victory that matters and that is the victory of the Akhirah. And this is the verse of the Quran in which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and I think it is the only time in the Quran that Allah speaks about destruction in this way of the believers and He calls it victory. Because that is the true victory in the sight of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that a person is saved from the punishment of the Akhirah. <laughs> Your Lord's assault on the unbelievers is very fierce. He originates creation and regenerates it. And so he does not lack the power to do whatever he wishes. He is the ever forgiving of believers who do wrong actions, the all loving towards his friends by honoring them. In verse 14, Al-Wadud means the one who loves. 
He's the one who loves subhanahu wa ta'ala. And so that is a, uh, a consequence of the love that he honors his friends. But the meaning of Allah's love is not honor. The meaning of Allah's love is that he loves. And so that is a sometimes used as a misinterpretation of the attribute of Allah Azza that he loves. And Allah states it numerous places in the Quran that Allah loves the, the muttaqeen and the muhsineen and those that have sabr and so on and so forth. And so Allah's love is an actual love. And from the benefits of that love is that he honors subhanahu wa ta'ala and rewards those whom he loves. The possessor of the throne, its creator and owner, the all-glorious. And from the meanings of Dhul Arsh is that he is above the Arsh, subhanahu wa ta'ala, in a manner which befits his majesty. And that is the tafsir of the self. Dhul Arsh, yes, he creates it and he owns it, but it means that he is above it, subhanahu wa ta'ala. Always the doer of whatever he desires, meaning nothing is beyond his power. Has the story reached you, Muhammad of the legions? Of Pharaoh and Thamud. It is their legions that are mentioned. They were destroyed because of their unbelief. This is directed to those who rejected the Prophet and the Quran, so that they might be admonished. Yet those who disbelieve insist on their denial of what was mentioned above. While Allah is encircling them from behind, meaning no one and nothing can defend them from Him. It is indeed a glorious Quran. Preserved on a tablet. It is above the seventh heaven. Preserved from shaytans and from anything being altered in it. Its height extends between heaven and the earth, and its width is from the east to the west. It is made of white pearl, all that was stated by Ibn Abbas. Surah Al-Bari, Night Comer. This surah is Meccan and has 17 ayahs. This is the 86th surah of the Quran, Surah Al-Tariq, and it is a Makki surah by Jama'a of the scholars of Tafsir, as mentioned by Al-Qurtubi, rahimahullah ta'ala. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. By heaven and the night comers. The word Fariq is said to mean anything that comes at night. This includes the stars because they rise at night. And what will convey to you what the night comer is, meaning what will teach you what it is. This repetition stresses its importance. The piercing star, possibly the Pleiades, or any star which emits light that pierces through the darkness. And in verse number 3, the second position, that it is stars generically, is a position chosen by Ibn Qayyim, rahimahullah ta'ala. There is no self that, read as, lamma and lama has no guardian over it. This refers to the guardian angels who record all our good and evil actions. Man has only to look at, meaning reflect on and consider what he was created from. He was created from inspiring fluid, the liquid proceeding from the sexual union of the man and the woman within the womb. A liquid emerging from between the backbone of a man and the breastbone of a woman. He, meaning Allah, certainly has the power to return him to life, to resurrect human beings after death. If a human being reflects on his origin, he will know that the one who is able to bring him into being must also have the power to resurrect him. 
On the day when the secrets are sought out, meaning tested and then exposed. Secrets mean means the innermost beliefs of the heart with respect to its faith and its intentions. And man, anyone who denies the resurrection will have no strength or helper, meaning no power to defend himself against the punishment or to avert it from himself. By heaven with its cyclical systems. The words used here, Wajr, can also mean rain because it recurs again and again. In verse number 11, that al the position chosen by a number of many of the scholars with tafsir, such as Ibn Kafir, Rahimahullah, and Shaykh Atiyah Salim, in his conclusion to Adwa'ul Bayan and others, is that it refers to rain. It refers to rain and it refers to the clouds that bring down the rain because the next verse will then speak about the earth and the way that it splits forth with vegetation. And in the position of Ibn Qayyim, Rahimahullah Ta'ala, that that has a more wider meaning and it refers to all of the blessings that come from the heavens. Rain and other than rain, it refers to every blessing that Allah Azza wa causes to descend from above. And the earth with its splitting seeds, meaning plants which split open the earth. It is truly a decisive word. The Quran is a word which distinguishes truth from falsehood. It is no joke, meaning it is neither a game nor vain falsehood. They, meaning the unbelievers, are hatching a plot, meaning scheming against the Prophet I too am hatching a plot, meaning I am leading them on from where they do not know. So bear with the unbelievers, bear with them for a while. This is addressed to Muhammad The repetition is for emphasis. He is instructed to go easy with them. Then Allah sees them in the battle of Badr. Bearing with them was abrogated by the ayah of the sword when the command to fight and engage in jihad was given. Surah Al-A'la The Most High This surah is Meccan and has 19 ayat. And this is the 87th surah of the Quran. And that is a Meccan surah by Ijma'ah. This surah is mentioned by Imam Qurtubi rahimahullah ta'ala. This is the surah that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam as we know would often recite, especially in his uh, in the prayers of occasions, such as the prayer of Jumu'ah, such as Eid day, and those occasions where the Prophet would gather with the companions, he would offer pray with them with these surahs, Surah Al-Ala, and the next surah after which is Surah Al-Ghashiyah. Glorify the name of your Lord, the Most High. Dissociate your, your Lord from anything that is not appropriate to Him. And in this verse, this is the verse that we mentioned yesterday when the Prophet received it. He said, Make this in your sajda. Make this in your sajda. And that is why we say, Subhana Rabbi al A'la. Subhana Rabbi al A'la. And Allah Azza wa says that He is the Most High, meaning that He is above His creation. And so the meaning is not, it is to disassociate your Lord. That is the meaning of, Subhisma Rabbi al A'la. That is not appropriate to Him. And from that which is not appropriate for him, subhanahu wa ta'ala, is that he is not above, that, should, that he should not be above his creation in the manner which befits his majesty. He who created and molded, who gave his creation form and made its parts harmonious and balanced. He who determined whatever he wished and guided to whatever good or evil he has decreed. He who brings forth green pasture causes plant life to grow. Then makes it black and stubble, 
meaning after it has been green, he makes it dried out, stubble, black, and brittle. We will cause you to recite the Quran so that you do not forget what you recite. Except what Allah wills. You will only forget what Allah wills that you forget if He wishes to abrogate its recitation and judgment. The Prophet used to recite the Quran aloud along with Jibreel, fearing that he would forget. It is as if he were told, Do not hasten it, you will not forget, so do not tie yourself by reciting it aloud. He, meaning Allah, knows what is voiced out loud in words and actions and what is hidden. And in verses 6 and 7, that is a good tafsir. That is a good tafsir that Ibn Hali gives. That you only forget what Allah wants you to forget. Does that mean that the Prophet forgot parts of the Quran? No. What it means is, as the author says, that he forgot what Allah asked him to forget or told him to forget. And that is the abrogation in the Quran. What Allah abrogated from the Quran. That is what Allah Azza wa Jal is making the exception for. We will ease you to the easy way, meaning Islam. Remind them by means of the Quran. If the reminder benefits, warn them even if it does not benefit. It will benefit some and not benefit others. He who has fear of Allah will be reminded by its by, by it echoing the ayah. So remind with the Quran, whoever fears my threat. The most miserable, meaning the unbelievers, will shun it and not pay any attention to it. Those who will roast in the greater fire, the fire in the next world, the lesser fire being fire in this world. And then neither die nor live in it. They will not die and so have rest, nor will they have any kind of life. He who has purified himself through faith will have success. He who invokes the name of his Lord and prays. He says the takbir and prays the five prayers. That is something which concerns the next world. The unbelievers of Mecca turn away from it. Yet still you prefer, read as, they prefer the life of this world to the next world. Though the next world, which contains paradise, is better and longer lasting. This is certainly in the earlier scriptures, meaning the success of those who purify themselves in the next world being better is in the earlier books revealed before the Quran. The scriptures, meaning the ten scrolls of Ibrahim and the Torah of Musa. This final verse, Allah says, Suhafi Ibrahim wa Musa. The scrolls of the scriptures of Ibrahim and Musa. Which shows, number one, that Ibrahim had a revelation from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He had a divinely revealed text. And as for the Suhaf of Musa, the scholars differ. Are the Suhaf of Musa, his scriptures, different to the Torah or the same? One position is, as you can see, that the author chose, Rahim Allah ta'ala, is that they are one and the same. Another scholar said, we don't know. And a third group of scholars said that they are different. The scriptures that he was given are different from the Torah that Allah gave to him. So Allah Azza wa gave him two different things, the Torah and the Suhuf, which are scrolls or scriptures that Allah Azza wa gave to him additionally from the scholars of our time that chose that position or of recent times was Shaykh Abdul Razak Afifi, Rahimahullah Ta'ala. And from what I recall, there's a position of uh, Shaykh Saleh al-Sheikh amongst others. Surah Al-Ghashiyah, the overwhelmer. This surah is Meccan and has 26 ayat. 
And this is the 88th surah of the Quran. And it is a Meccan surah by Ijma' as mentioned by Al-Qurtubi rahimahullah ta'ala. And this is the, the surah that the Prophet would often recite in the Eid prayer, in the Jum'ah prayer, and so on. Has news of the overwhelmer, meaning the day of rising, which is so full because it will overwhelm creatures with its terrors, reached you. Some faces on that day will be downcast. Laboring, toiling endlessly, burdened down with chains and fetters. In verse 3, Allah says, They are laboring, toiling endlessly. Laboring meaning that you're working extremely hard, manual labor. The scholars differ, does this refer to the disbelievers in the dunya, that the dunya is one of hardship and, and difficulty and so on? Another scholar said no, because many of them don't have hardship in the dunya in that sense. They don't toil and labor endlessly. So the position that was chosen by the likes of Imam Al-Tabir and was agreed upon also by Shaykh Al-Islami bin Taymiyyah he goes to great length in one of his works supporting this position is that it is in the fire. That they will labor and toil endlessly, meaning that Allah will make them work in the fire above all of the punishment that they have and the difficulty. They are working, laboring. There is something for them to do there that increases the punishment upon them, increases the tiredness and the agony that they have, and Allah knows best. Roasting, read as tasla and tusla in a red hot fire. Drinking from a boiling spring. You will have no food but a bitter thorny bush, a sort of thorn bush which animals do not eat because of its disgusting taste. Which neither nourishes nor satisfies. Some faces on that day will be radiant and beautiful. In the next world, they will be well pleased with their efforts and obedient in this world because of the reward that they have received for it. In an elevated garden, elevated both physically and spiritually. Where no prattle is ever heard, read as Tasma'u, Tusma'u, and Yusma'u. In it are a gushing spring, a generic here meaning springs. And raised up couches, elevated in essence, worth and actuality. And goblets set out, which are drinking vessels without handles. They are placed at the edges of springs, ready to be drunk. And lined up cushions, powered by their sides for them to lean on. And outspread velvet rugs. Have they, meaning the unbelievers of Mecca, not looked at and considered the camel, how it was created? And at the sky, how it was raised up? And at the mountains, how they were embedded? And at the earth, how it was smoothed out. All these things are cited as evidence of the power and oneness of Allah. Camels are mentioned first because the Arabs had closer contact with them than any other animals. Smoothed out is used of the earth because it has the appearance of being level. So remind them of the blessings of Allah and the evidence of His oneness. You are only a reminder. You are not in control. 
of the red al musayyid and musayyid. You are not the overseer. This was before the command came to engage in jihad. But as for anyone who turns away from faith and disbelieves in the Quran, Allah will punish him with the greatest punishment. Punishment in the next world. The lesser being punishment in this world by killing and capture. Certainly, it is to us they will return after death. Then their reckoning is our concern, meaning we will repay them with an eternal repayment. Surah Al-Fajr, the dawn. This surah is Mecca, it has 30 ayat. And this is the 89th surah of the Quran, Surah Al-Fajr. And it is as the author says, Rahimahullah, a Meccan surah, and that is by Ijma' of the scholars of Tafsir as mentioned by Al-Qurtubi, Rahimahullah Ta'ala. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Wal-Fajr, by the dawn of every day. And ten nights of the Hijjah. And the even and odd. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in these first verses, uh, He takes an oath by a number of things. In verse number two, and the ten nights. And one of the positions, as you can see, there are three general positions that refers to either the ten nights, the first ten nights of the Hijjah, or the last ten nights of Ramadan, or the ten nights of Muharram. And the ten nights of Muharram has no dalil in, in the Sunnah. But the other two clearly have their virtues that are established in the Sunnah. The majority of the scholars are of the position that it refers to the ten days of Dhul Hijjah, the first ten days. And Ibn Qayyim Ta'ala is of that position and he says, therefore, the first ten days of Dhul Hijjah are better and the best nights are the last ten nights of Ramadan. And that is how he reconciles between them. Another said, no, the first ten days and nights of Dhul Hijjah are better even then of Ramadan, with the exception of Laylatul Qadr, because of its added virtue. And Allah knows best. Wal-Shaf'i wal-Watar. Wal-Shaf'i wal-Watar. The even and the odd. What is it that it's referring to? There are some, again, 20 different opinions amongst the scholars as to what it refers to. The One of the most common and famous opinions amongst them, then carrying on from verse number 2 that speaks about the nights of the Hijjah, is that the Shaf and al-Watar, the even and the odd, refers to the night and the tenth. Of the Hijjah, the even night and the odd night. So therefore the day of Arafah and the day of the Eid, the tenth of the Hijjah. Another said, no, a shaf is Allah, uh, Al-Witr is Allah, Allah is the odd, He is one. And a shaf is even, everything else that Allah created in pairs. And there are many other opinions as well. And it is possible that Allah Azza wa is taking an oath by all of them. And the night when it travels on, meaning comes and goes. Is there not in that an oath for the intelligent? The word hijz means intellect here. Is that not an oath by which you will be punished, O unbelievers of Mecca? And one of the names, therefore, of intelligence is hijr. And that's the same hijr of Surah Al-Hijr. And we said Surah Al-Hijr is because the people of Thamud used to have a wall around their water to safeguard it. And that is why the intellect is called hijr, because it's meant to safeguard you from evil. And that's why Allah refers to it as hijr. He's meant to use it to safeguard you from harm and from evil and from disobedience. Do you, Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, not see what your Lord did with Ad? Iram of the tall columns. That was the first nation of Ad. Some of the columns were 40 cubits tall. In verse number 7, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Iram. When he refers to the people of Ad. And this is the first time that this name has been used in connection to this nation, Iram. And so the scholars differ as to what is Iram. 
Was it a different group of people? Or was it something else? Some of them said it is the area that they lived in. The area that they lived in or the city that they dwelt in. And we said previously in Surah Al-Ahqaf, the Al-Ahqaf was the general region. So this is the name of a city. Another said it is the name of the tribe. Nation is Ad. They are Ad as a nation. But amongst them is a tribe and from them is Iran. But Allah Azza wa describes it as being a place that has four columns. So it's possible that he can refer to a place as well. And Ibn Kathir rahimahullah chose the position that there is a tribe. Whose like was not created in any land, meaning no one was like them in their power and strength. And Thamud, who carved out huge rocks in the valley side and made them into dwellings, the, the valley referred to being Wadi al Qura. And Pharaoh of the state, he used to drive four pegs into the ground to which he would tie the hands and feet of those he was going to torture. All of whom were insolent and unjust tyrants in their lands. And caused much corruption in them by killing and other things. So your Lord unleashed on them a scourging punishment. Your Lord is always lying in wait, observing the actions of his slaves. He does not miss any of them so that he can repay them for them. As for unbelieving man, when his Lord tests him by honoring him with wealth and other things and favoring him, he says, My Lord has honored me. But then when he tests him by restricting his provision, he says, My Lord has humiliated me. No, indeed. You, meaning the obedience of Mecca, do not honor. Whereas, or as they do not honor orphans, meaning you are not good to orphans in spite of their wealth, or they do not give them their rightful inheritance. Nor do you urge, whereas, and also yakubbuna they do not urge the feeding of the poor on yourselves or others you devour read as ta'kuluna also yakuluna they devour inheritance with voracious appetites taking the portions of inheritance which should go to women and children as well as your own shares or add it to your properties and you have, read as, tuhibbuna, and also yuhibbuna, they have, an insatiable love of wealth, and so do not spend it. Kalla, no, indeed. The no here indicates the introduction of a new subject. When the earth is crushed and ground to dust, and everything on it is destroyed and brought to nothing. And the command of your Lord arrives with the angels. The word Malak, which is singular, is here used generically, meaning the angels in general, rank upon rank, meaning row on row or in many rows. In verse 22, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Your Lord will arrive, your Lord will come, and the angels. And the author, Rahimullah, says he means the command, and that is a misinterpretation of this attribute of Allah. It is not the command of your Lord that arrives, but Allah Himself that will arrive, as is established in numerous authentic hadith of the Prophet that it is Allah who will come on Yawm Al-Qiyamah in order to settle the disputes 
of creation and to hold them to account. And that day, hell is produced. Hell will be brought on that day, drawn by 7,000 thongs, and each thong will be pulled by 70,000 angels. It will be seething and hissing. That day, unbelieving man will remember what he neglected then. But how will the remembrance help him? Meaning, it will be of no use to him at that time. He will say when he remembers, Oh, if only I had prepared in advance for this life of mine. Whether I had advanced good deeds and faith for a pleasing life in the next world, or for my time in the life of this world. That day, no one will punish, read as, يعذبوا, and يعذبوا, as he punishes. And no one will shackle as he shackles, read as, and The pronoun refers to Allah Almighty, he will not leave it to anyone else. Those punished and shackled are the unbelievers. O self, at rest and at ease, this is the soul which has certainty. It means the true believer. Return to your Lord, well pleasing and well pleased. This will be said to him when he dies. In other words, return to Allah's commands and will, pleased with his reward and pleasing to Allah because of his actions. He will have both qualities. At the resurrection, the soul will be told, Enter among my righteous slaves. Enter my garden with them. Surah Al-Badr, the city. This surah is Meccan. It has 20 ayat. This is the 90th surah of the Quran, Surah Al-Balad, referring to the city, which is the city of Mecca. And there is a, a, um, a Meccan surah by Ijma' of the scholars of Tafsir, as mentioned by Al-Qutubi, rahimahullahu ta'ala. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. La unqusimu bihada al-balad. I swear by this city, meaning Mecca. Wa antahillum bihada al-balad. And you, Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, are resident in this city. This is one meaning of the word hill. Another is, this land is lawful to you, and so you may fight in it. Allah carried out his promise on the day of the conquest of Mecca. His sentence is interposed in the middle of the oath. And by a father and what he fathered, meaning Adam and his descendants. And that is the position of many of the scholars of tafsir. So just as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions the most blessed of cities, that is Mecca, when Allah refers in verse 3 as the father, he refers to the origin of of parents and all parents and that is Adam alayhi salam We created man, meant generically, in trouble He was created in toil and difficulty in the disasters of this world and in the hardships of the next world Does he suppose that no one has power over him? Does the strong man of Quraysh suppose this? It's said that he was Abu al-Ashad ibn Kalda This is the statement of this man Abu al-Ashad ibn Kalda, and they differ slightly over his name. But anyway, that he was from the people of Quraysh who said that I have spent all of my wealth and all of my money in order to become an enemy and oppose the Prophet ﷺ. This was the statement that he made, that I have given and spent everything that I have in order to oppose Islam. So Allah says, does this person think that no one has any power over him? He says, I have consumed, meaning spent, vast quantities of wealth in opposition to Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. 
Does he imagine that no one has seen him? Meaning, does he think that no one saw what he spent and so knows how much it was? Allah knows the amount and will repay him for his evil deeds. Have we not given him two eyes? And a tongue and two lips. And shown him the two highways. Meaning, made clear to him the path of good and the path of evil. But he has not braved the steep ascent. What will convey to you what the steep ascent is? This is repeated because of its great importance. It is to free a slave. Or to feed on a day of hunger. An orphaned relative. Or a poor man in the dust because of his poverty. Then, at the same time, to be one of those who believe and urge each other to be steadfast in performing acts of obedience and in refraining from acts of disobedience. And urge each other to be compassionate, to have mercy on creatures. Those who have these qualities are the companions of the right. Those who reject our signs, they are the companions of the left. Above them is a sealed covering, box of fire, read as Muqsada and Mu'sada. Surah Al-Shab. The sun. This surah is Meccan and has 15 ayat. This is the 91st surah of the Quran, Surah Al-Shams, and it is a Meccan surah as mentioned by Al-Qutubi Rahmanullah Ta'ala by Ijma'ad the scholars of Tafsir. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Wal-Shamsi wa-Duhaha. By the sun and its morning brightness. Wal-Qamari idha talaha. And the moon when it follows it by rising when the sun sets. Wal-Nahari idha jallaha. And the day when it displays it, meaning when it is high in the sky. And the night when it conceals it and envelops it with its darkness. And the sky and what erected it. And the earth and what extended it. And the self, meant generically, and what proportioned it. And inspired it with depravity or fear of Allah, meaning made clear to it the path of good and evil. He who purifies it of wrong actions has succeeded. He who covers it up by acts of disobedience has failed. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the first ten verses takes seven different oaths by some of his greatest creations and signs subhanahu wa ta'ala all for one thing. And that is to show who will be successful and who will fail. And that is the soul that is righteous and the soul that is unrighteous. Seven oaths that Allah takes just about one thing. To show one thing, the Jawab al-Qasr, what Allah is taking these seven oaths for, is to show the soul that will be successful and will, be, will have salvation and the soul that will be ruined and will have destruction. Showing you the importance of this issue of purifying the soul and turning to Allah Azza wa in worship. And that it is the means of success in this life and the next. Thamud denied in the excessive tyranny and insolence. The messenger to Thamud was Salih. 
when the worst of them rushed ahead. This was a man named Qudal, who rushed to hamstring the camel with their approval. فَقَالَ لَهُمْ وَسُولُ اللَّهِ نَاقَةَ اللَّهِ وَسُقَيَاهَا And the Messenger of Allah, Salih, had said to them, This is the she-camel of Allah, so let her drink on her day. They alternated at the water source, one day for the she-camel, and the next day for them. But they denied him when he said that the instruction was from Allah, and as a consequence of their disobeying the punishment of Allah, descended on them. And they hamstrung her, and killed the she-camel, so that they could have the water that she drank. So their Lord crushed them with the punishment for their sin and flattened them. In other words, he totally enveloped them in it so that none of them escaped. And read as Wada and Fada, he does not fear the consequences. Surah Al-Layl, the night. This surah is Meccan and has 21 ayat. This is the 92nd surah of the Quran, Surah Al-Layl. And it is a Mecca surah according to the majority of the scholars of Tafsir, as Mishra Ibn Kathir, Rahimahullah Ta'ala. By the night when it conceals what is between heaven and earth with its darkness. And the day when it reveals things and manifests them. And the creation of male and female, meaning Adam and Hawa, and every male and female since. Anyone whom we consider a hermaphrodite is either male or female in the sight of Allah. If someone swears that he will not speak to a male or female and then speaks to a hermaphrodite, he has broken his oath. <coughs> Truly, there is a vast difference in your striving, in your actions. Some act in ways that lead to the garden by obedience, and some act in ways that lead to the fire by disobedience. And verse number four is the Jawab al Qasim, what Allah has taken an oath for, and that is that people will strive in different ways. As for him who gives what is due to Allah and his God-fearing and confirms the good, meaning the statement, there is no God for Allah We will pave his way to ease, meaning the garden But as for him who is stingy about what is due to Allah and self-satisfied, feeling he has no need of Allah's reward وَكَذَّبَ بِالْحُسْنَى And denies the good فَسَنُيَسِّرُهُ لِلْعُسْرَى We will ease his way to difficulty, meaning the fire. وَمَا يُغْنِي عَنْهُ مَالُهُ إِذَا تَرَدَّى His wealth will not help him when he plummets to the depths of the fire. إِنَّ عَلَيْنَا لَلْهُدَى Assuredly, guidance is up to us. Allah makes the path of guidance clear from the path of misguidance, so that he is obeyed when the former is followed, and he forbids people to engage in the latter. وَإِنَّ لَنَا لَلْآخِرَةَ وَالْأُولَىٰ And both the last and first belong to us. The first is this world. Whoever seeks them from anyone other than us errs. فَأَنذَرْتُكُمْ نَارًا تَلَظَّىٰ I have warned you, people of Mecca, of a fire that rages and burns. And Allah Azza wa Jal and the Prophet also describe this fire in many different uh, descriptions. From them is the raging of the fire and its flames. And that is why the Hadith of Bukhari ibn Nu'man ibn Bashir that the Prophet described the least people, least, the least of the people of the fire and punishment is the one who has some of the fire placed in their sandals or their shoes and because of it their brain boils and they will think that there is no one in the fire that has a more severe punishment than them. 
in which only the most wretched will enter and most. Those who denied the Prophet and turned away from faith. This extenuation is the explanation of his words. He forgives whomever he wills for anything apart from that. What is meant here is eternal roasting. Those who are the most God-fearing will be far removed from it. Those who give their wealth to purify themselves. They purify their wealth in the sight of Allah Almighty by giving Allah the due on it without showing off or seeking a good reputation in return. Then it becomes pure in the sight of Allah. This was revealed about Abu Bakr as Siddiq when he bought Bilal, who was being tortured for his faith and set him free. The unbelievers said he did that for a favor he owed him, and then this was revealed. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in these verses now from 17 onwards, it is said, and it is the position of the majority of the scholars of tafsir that they are verses regarding Abu Bakr as-Siddiq and about his virtues and his position in Islam and foremost amongst the scholars of tafsir who chose that these verses are referring to him was Abdullah ibn Abbas and the virtues of Abu Bakr are too many for us to list in this sitting but it is sufficient to narrate a hadith, the hadith of a tirmidhi in which the Prophet said وسلم, that there is no one who has a favor upon us except that we have repaid their favor in the dunya except for Abu Bakr for he has favors upon us that Allah Azza wa Jal will pay him for and reward him for on Yawm Al-Qiyamah and that is what Allah Azza wa Jal is saying in these verses that it is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala who will make him pleased meaning with the reward that he finds on the Day of Judgment not to repay someone else for a favor done Desiring only the face of their Lord, Most High, in other words, seeking the reward of Allah. They will certainly be satisfied with the reward that they are given in paradise. The ayah includes all those who perform actions which please Allah and who will therefore be far from the fire and rewarded. And in verse 18, this is not just the freeing and the, and the purchase of Bilal radiallahu that is from the favors of Abu Bakr radiallahu but there are many more as well. And what shows us in that particular regard of Bilal radiallahu that it was done for the sake of Allah is how when the Prophet died and Bilal radiallahu chose not to make the adhan anymore and he said that I will make it for anyone other than the Prophet Abu Bakr said to him but you are a mu'adhin you have to make the adhan so Abu Bakr radiallahu Bilal said to him when you purchased me and set me free in Mecca did you do so to make me your slave or did you do so for the sake of Allah he said that I did for the sake of Allah as you know so he said then you have no command over me and that is because Abu Bakr radiallahu was known for his generosity, so uh, Allah <coughs> the morning brightness. This surah is Meccan, it has 11 ayahs. When it was revealed, the Prophet وسلم, said the takbir at the end of it, and so it is sunnah to say the takbir at the end of it. It should be said at the end of the surah and at the end of every surah after it. The formula to be used is either Allahu Akbar or La ilaha illallah wa Allahu Akbar. This is the 93rd surah of the Quran referring to Duha, and Duha is the part of the morning when the sun rises up into the sky. <coughs> and there is a Makki surah by, uh, by Ijma' of the scholars of Tafsir as Mishab al-Qurtubi rahimahullah ta'ala and it is from the early revelations that were given to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And this statement of the author rahimahullah ta'ala, I don't know of it being an authentic hadith of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, but it is a mutawatir qira'ah and it is known as the qira'ah ibn Kathir that from duha to nas, at the end of every surah, he makes the takbir. La ilaha illallah, Allahu Akbar, 
والله اكبر لا اله الا الله 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 اكبر ولله الحمد he makes the takbir after the end of every surah until surah al-nas and there is a mutawatir qira'ah that goes back to the prophet sallallahu so therefore even though it's not mentioned in explicit hadith it is something which the companions which which these imams of qira'ah took from their teachers from the companions who took it from the prophet sallallahu and so therefore it is possible that it is something which the prophet sallallahu told them to do and so therefore that is something which they do not in salah though it's something which you do in a reading outside of salah or if you're finishing the quran or you're reading to a teacher and that is the qira of ibn kathir it's not the qira of every imam of every one of the qura but the one that is famous for it is ibn kathir rahimahullah ta'ala by the morning brightness the beginning of the day or all of the morning and the night when it is still and it covers everything with its darkness or is still. مَا وَدَّعَكَ رَبُّكَ وَمَا قَلَى Your Lord has not abandoned you, Muhammad wasallam. nor does he hate you. This was revealed at a time when nothing had been revealed for 15 days and the unbeliever said, your Lord has abandoned you and hates you. And this hadith in verse number 3 is an authentic hadith in Sahih al-Bukhari. The revelation stopped for a period of 15 days whilst the Quraysh wanted to know something and revelation did not come. So the Prophet became upset and they started to ridicule and mock him and say, your Lord has forsaken you, he hates you, he doesn't like you, he's left you, or your devil that used to come to you has left you, and so on. And so the Prophet became upset because of this. And that's why Allah takes an oath by the two points of the day. Number one is the morning, and number one is, and the second one is the night. Because a person who has deep worries and anxieties often can't sleep during the night, keeps them awake. So Allah says that he is the Lord of the night. And then the morning, because that person, when they eventually fall asleep and they have a very unrestful sleep, when they wake up, one of the first thoughts that come back in their morning is that, no, it wasn't a dream. I'm still in the same situation. So Allah takes an oath by those two points of the day and the night. And then Allah says, your Lord hasn't abandoned you, nor does he hate you. And the last will indeed be better for you than the first because of the honors for you in the next world, which will be better than anything in this world. Your Lord will soon give to you ample good things in the next world, and you will be satisfied with that. The Prophet said, I will not be pleased if any of my community remains in the fire. This is the end of the oath. Did he not find you orphaned and shelter you? He found you without a father before you were born, or else after that, and gave you shelter with your uncle Abu Talib. Did he not find you wandering without the Sharia and guide you to it? In verse number 7, Did he not find you wandering or misguided and he guided you? The misguidance that is being referred to here is that the Prophet didn't know the rulings of the Sharia and not the misguidance of kufr, it is not the misguidance of disbelief and shirk. But it is the misguidance of like someone who doesn't know the correct way or the path as mentioned by Shaykh Muhammad Al-Amin al-Shaqiti rahimahullah ta'ala. So it means that he didn't yet have the details of the Sharia and how to worship Allah and how to come closer to Allah Azza wa Jalla. It doesn't refer to the misguidance that is general misguidance which is the misguidance of disbelief and shirk because the Prophet Sallallahu was saved from that by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Did he not find you impoverished and enrich you? He enriched you with what was enough for you, from beauty and other things. We read in a hadith, wealth does not come from an abundance of goods. True wealth is contentment. And that is an authentic hadith. The true wealth is al-qara'ah, to have contentment of the heart.
So as for orphans, do not oppress them, meaning do not take their property or inflict any other form of oppression. And as for beggars, do not berate them for being poor. And as for the blessings of your Lord, and as for the blessing of your Lord, meaning those of prophethood and other things, speak out. And verses 9 to 11 refer to what Allah Azza says in verses 6 to 8. Allah found you as an orphan, so then therefore don't oppress the orphan. And he finds that you were wandering and he guides you, so therefore when people come and ask you for help, then help them. And Allah Azza found you to be poor and he gave you his favors, so speak about those favors. Because from the ways that we show shukr and gratitude for Allah's blessings is to speak about them and to discuss them with others, not in a way of arrogance and pride and haughtiness, but in a way of reminder and with humility to show Allah Azza wa Jal the favors that he has upon you. And that's why the Prophet said that Allah loves to see the effects of his favors upon his servant. Meaning that if Allah has given you wealth to purchase good clothes, you should wear good clean clothes. Not to such an extent that it becomes extravagant, but to show that Allah Azza wa Jal has favored you with the ability to have a nice house and a nice car. And so on. Allah loves to see that upon his servants. And that's why it is said that one of the salaf, a poor man came to him, was extremely dirty. And he said to the, the, so the scholars said to him, as for your poverty, that is something which Allah gave to you. But why can't you use water to wash yourself? That's one of the blessings that you have available to you. And so sometimes we misunderstand the meaning of abstinence or the meaning of being humble and humility. And it is important therefore to understand in the context of the Sharia. Surah Al-Inshirah, the expanding. This surah is Meccan and has eight ayah. And this is the 94th surah of the Quran which is a Makki surah by Ijma'ah, the scholars is mentioned by Ibn, Ibn Al-Qurtubi rahimahullah ta'ala and from the names of this surah is known by in the early works of Tafsir and Hadith is Surah Alam Nashrah Surah Alam Nashrah Bismillahirrahmanirrahim Alam Nashrah Naka Sadiq Did we not expand your breast for you, Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam with prophethood and other things? And what is being referred to here and Allah Azza wa Jalla's best is that Allah purified the Prophet ﷺ, as is mentioned in the famous hadith of Malik ibn Sa'sa'a radiyallahu anna tirmidhi where the Prophet ﷺ is asleep in his house and Jibreel ﷺ comes in and he opens up his chest and he takes out his heart and he washes it with zamzam and then he says and he filled it with knowledge and with iman and he placed it back in my chest so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala expanded for him his chest in terms of iman, in terms of knowledge, in terms of knowing Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, in terms of then the ability to worship Allah azza wa jal. And remove from you your load. Which weighed down your back. An aspect of that is the word of Allah Almighty. So that Allah may forgive you your earlier errors and any later ones. And these are three things that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then mentions in terms of virtues for the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa That Allah expanded his chest and that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala removed from, his, from him this load that was difficult upon his back. And the scholars differ as to what that is exactly referring to. Is it the sins that he committed before Islam or is it the burden, some and the hardship of, of other things that he had sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Did we not raise your renown high so that you are mentioned together with Allah in the Adhan, Iqama, Tashahud, Khutbah and other things? For truly with hardship comes ease. Truly with hardship comes ease. 
The Prophet ﷺ experienced harshness from the unbelievers, but then had ease when he was given victory over them. So, when you have finished the prayer, work on, meaning strive in making supplication. And make your Lord your goal and entreat Him. Surah Tutin, the fig. This surah is Meccan and has eight ayat. And this is the 95th surah of the Quran, Surah Tutin. And according to the majority of the scholars of Tafsir, it is a Meccan surah. By the fig and the olive. This is either the fruit which is eaten or possibly refers to two mountains in Greater Syria, where both trees grow. And Mount Sinai, the mountain where Allah Almighty spoke to Musa. Sinin means either blessed or beautified with fruit trees. And this safe land, meaning Mecca, because people are safe in it, both in the Jahiliyyah and in Islam. In these first three verses, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala takes an oath by a number of things. And the scholars differ as to why Allah takes an oath and combines between these three things, the fig and the olive, the mountain, and the city of Mecca. Some of them said it refers to the skills and traits that Allah has given to people that are from the best of things that Allah has given. Some people are like the fig, meaning in sweetness. They are sweet in their nature and in their temperament. And other people are like the olive, meaning that they are pure, people of purity. And other people are strong and firm like a mountain, people that you feel safe in their company. And other people are safe, in the, you are safe in their company, like the city of Mecca is a place that is trustworthy. And so that is one tafsir. And others, such as Imam ibn Qayyim ta'ala, said that it refers to the different prophets that Allah is praising. Isa alayhi salam in verse 1, Musa alayhi salam in verse 2, and our Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam in verse 3. Either way, Allah Azza wa takes an oath by these things to, for their importance. We created man, meant generically, in the finest mold, the most balanced and harmonious form. Then we reduced him to the lowest of the low, as occurs with some individuals, indicating senility and weakness. So the actions of the believer are less than they were when he was young, and yet he will still have the reward for them. Allah says, In verse number 5, the author says it refers to old age and becoming senile, and that is the position of Imam al-Tabari rahimahullah ta'ala. And other scholars such as Ibn al-Qayyim rahimahullah said, the lowest of the low meaning the fire. That's what it's referring to. Because Allah Azza wa is saying that Allah has given you and created you in the best of ways, and you have no reason, no excuse to disbelieve. But if you do so, you will be turned, returned to the lowest of the low, and there is nothing lower than the fire of hell. Except for those who believe in the right action, they will have a perpetual wage that never fails. In a hadith we find, when a believer reaches old age, whatever actions he is unable to do are recorded for him. What would make you, meaning unbelievers, deny the reckoning after this? After what has been mentioned about the creation of the human being in the best form and then his return to the lowest of the low, which proves that Allah has the power to resurrect. How can you deny the coming repayment which is preceded by resurrection and reckoning? Is Allah not the justice of judges? He gives the best decree and his decree is that there be repayment. We read in a hadith, whoever recites Surah Tutin in full should then say, yes indeed, and I am one of those who bear witness to that. We read in a hadith. Whoever recites Surah Teen in full should then say, yes indeed, and I am one of those who bear witness to that. And that is a, a narration that is collected in Abu Dawood and a Tirmidhi, but it is weak. It is a weak hadith. 
and it is in Abu Dawood and At-Tirmidhi amongst other collections of hadith. Surah Al-Alaq, the blood clot. This surah is Meccan and has 19 ayat. The beginning of the surah, up to what he did not know, was the first passage of the Qur'an to be revealed. That happened in the cave of Hira. Al-Bukhari related it. And this is the 96th surah of the Qur'an, known as Surah Al-Alaq. And it is, as the author says, a Meccan surah by Ijma'a of the scholars, because it is authentically mentioned in the hadith in Al-Bukhari as being the first revelation received by the Prophet in the cave of Hira. It is also known as Surah Iqra, and that is a very common name for this surah in the early works of, of, of tafsir and hadith. And another name that it is also known by is Surah Al-Qalam, the surah of the pen, like the one in the 29th juz. Ibn Hazm and Ibn Atiyah and others refer to the surah as Surah Al-Qalam. And so that's why we said for the other Surah Al-Qalam, or the Surah Al-Qalam that we know in the 29th juz, that it is also known as Surah Noon, or Surah Noon Wal-Qalam, to differentiate it from those scholars who used to call this Surah Surah Qalam. Recite in the name of your Lord who created all creatures. And that is how Allah Azzawajal began this religion, with a command to learn, to read, to seek knowledge. Because the Quraysh, for all the virtues that they had, that they were the descendants of Ibrahim السلام, and the custodians of the Kaaba and Zamzam, and all the favors that Allah gave to them that he will mention in Surah Quraysh, they were people of shirk and disbelief. And people who had turned away from the path of Allah, not because they were distanced from the Kaaba, they were a long way away, or because they didn't come from a good tribe, or from good ancestry, or from good parents, or any of those other issues. Their issue was one of ignorance, that they had no knowledge. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala doesn't begin our religion with the command to pray, or the command to be good to your parents, or the command to be to give charity or to fast, and those are have their position in our religion as we know. But Allah begins with the command to seek knowledge and to learn. Because you can only pray correctly if you have knowledge, and you can only give zakat correctly if you have knowledge, and you can only worship Allah Azza wa in the way that is befitting for him through knowledge, and you can only have tawheed of Allah and worship Allah and have oneness of Allah Azza wa through knowledge. And so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala begins with a command to learn for a people and a nation that are illiterate for the most part. And that is the contradiction here that they don't know and they can't read and they can't write. But Allah says to them, read. And Allah says to them, learn and seek knowledge. Because that is the way that you come closer to Allah. So the companions dedicated their lives to seeking knowledge just as the Prophet wasallam dedicated his life to teaching that knowledge. Created man, meant generically, from clots of blood. Recite, and your Lord is the most generous. The repetition of the word recite is for emphasis. No one is equal to him in his generosity. He who taught writing by the pen. The first to write with it was Idris, peace be upon him. Taught man what he did not know. Allah taught him guidance, writing, crafts, and other things. And this is uh, something which we mentioned in tafsir of Surah Noon, وَالْقَلَمِ وَمَا يَسْتُونَ The statement of Ibn Qayyim, Muhammad Ta'ala, about the, of the, the blessing of the pen, and the ability to write, and the ability to convey that knowledge and to spread it. No, indeed, truly man is unbridled. Seeing himself as self-sufficient because of his wealth. This was revealed about Abu Jahl. Seeing means knowing rather than physically seeing. <inaudible> Truly, human being, it is to your Lord that you shall return. The transgressor will be given the retribution he deserves. 
Have you seen him, the Pugan, meaning the person being described as Abu Jahl? Abadan idha khalla A slave, meaning the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, when he goes to pray. Araita in kana ala al-huda Do you think he, meaning the person who prevents someone from praying, is rightly guided? Aw amara bittaqwa Or commands to be God-fearing. Araita in kathaba wa tawalla Or do you see how he has denied and turned away? أَلَمْ Does he not know that Allah sees? It is a wonder that such a person forbids a prayer. When the one he forbids has guidance and commands to do what is right, while the one who forbids denies and turns away from the truth. No, indeed. If he does not desist from the unbelief he is involved in, we will grab him by the forelock and drag him to the fire. A lying, sinful, sinful forelock. This is a metaphor that means the person himself. Let him call his attendants, meaning the people of his circle, who meet to consult him and talk together. When the Prophet ﷺ rebuked Abu Jahl for forbidding him to pray, he said, You know that there is no man with a greater assembly than mine. I can fill this valley with them against you if I wish, with men on foot and mounted. And that is an authentic hadith. And it's mentioned in a number of narrations and from them is the narration of Abu Hurair radiallahu anhu Sahih Muslim that the Prophet was once coming to pray and Abu Jahl said to him, How dare you? Have I not told you that you're not allowed to pray in front of us in public? So the Prophet became angry with him. And so Abu Jahl said to him, Do you dare threaten me? If I was to call for help, all of Mecca would rush to my aid. And if you call to help, who will come and help you? So Allah says, Let him call his helpers. We will call the angels of the fire, the angels of punishment. And so, and another narration, but as the Prophet was praying, they said to Abu Jahl, why don't you go and deal with him now? So he went, and he wanted to go as the Prophet was in prostration, so he could stamp upon his neck. But then as he went, he put out his hands, as if he was warding off some evil, and he turned away. They said, Abu Jahl, what happened? He said, all I can see between me and him is fire, is fire. And so I turned away. And that is what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is referring to. We will call the gods of hell. The Zabaniyah are the harsh, strong angels who will destroy him, as is found in the hadith. If he calls on his assembly, the Zabaniyah will seize him before their eyes. No, indeed, do not obey him, Muhammad, by abandoning the prayers, but prostrate and pray to Allah and draw near to him by acts of obedience. Suratul Qadr, power. This surah is Meccan or Medinan and has five or six ayat. This is the 97th surah of the Quran, Surah Al-Qadr. And it is five verses according to our reading. And the scholars differ as to whether the surah is Makki or Madani. Ibn Kathir, rahimahullah, for example, said it is Makki. Al-Qurtubi, rahimahullah, said it is a Madani surah. And Allah knows best. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Inna anzalnahu fi laylati al-Qadr. Truly, we sent it. Meaning the Quran down all at once from the preserved tablet to the lowest heaven on the night of power, so called because of its immense honour. And what will convey to you, Muhammad وسلم, what the night of power is and its immensity and wonder. The night of power is better than a thousand months that do not contain the night of power. Righteous actions done during it are better than those done in a thousand months that do not contain it. فيها بإذن ربهم من كل أمر. 
In it, the angels and the Ruh, meaning Jibreel, descended the night by their Lord's authority and command with every ordinance the decrees of Allah for that coming year. It is peace until the coming, read as and of the dawn. It is called peace, salam, because it contains many greetings, salam from the angels during it. They do not pass by any believer, man or woman, without greeting them. And in verse number 5, that is one tafsir, that salam is the greetings of the angels. Another tafsir is that salam means that the people of that night have safety from the shayateen. It is salim. Salam as in peace and safety from every shaytan. And At-Tabri ta'ala said, salam, salam here means the blessings of Allah that descend upon them. Salam is not the greeting, but it is the blessings of Allah that descend upon them. Surah Al-Bayyina, the clear sign. This surah is Meccan or Medina and has eight ayats. This is the 98th surah of the Quran, Surah Al-Bayyina. And it is also known in the books of Tafsir Al-Hadith as Surah Lam Yakun and Surah Al-Qayyimah. These are other names for this surah. And the scholars differ concerning whether it is a Makki or Madani surah. The majority of the scholars say that it is a Madani surah. And that is the correct position because of the hadith in Al-Bukhari of Anas radiallahu an, that this surah was revealed in the Medinan period. And the Prophet sallallahu alayhi came to Ubay ibn Ka'b radiallahu an. It's from the companions of the Ansar. So therefore it's a Medinan surah. And he said to him, O oh, Ubay, a, a surah was revealed to me tonight and I was commanded to recite it to you. So Ubay said, O oh, Messenger of Allah, do you mean that Allah took my name? He said to you, to really to me by name? And the Prophet said, Yes, O Ubay. He mentioned you by name. It shows you the virtue of that illustrious companion, radiallahu anhu, was from the senior companions when it came to the Quran and its memorization and its understanding, radiallahu anhu arda. And he is the one who, in the time of Umar, radiallahu anhu, when he wanted to gather the people to read Taraweeh in Ramadan, he made him the Imam, along with Tamim al Dari. Ubay ibn Ka'ab radiallahu anhu from the senior companions of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam. So the hadith is a hadith that speaks about the Medinan period and so therefore the surah is a Madani surah and Allah knows best. The people of the book <coughs> who disbelieve and the idolaters will not be cut off from what they have until the clear sign. Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam came to them. A messenger, meaning the Prophet Muhammad وسلم, from Allah, reciting purified text, pages which are free of any falsehood. Containing upright precepts, written judgments when it is recited, meaning the Quran. Some believed in it and some rejected it. And regarding these verses 2 and 3, the scholars differ as to what are the suhufun mutahara, the recited purified texts, and the kutubun qayyimah, in upright books, kutub meaning books or scrolls. What are they referring to? Imam al-Tabir said the two are connected. The purified texts are the ones that you find in the upright scriptures, and they are the ones that speak about the Qur'an. And Imam al-Qurtubi said the kutubun qayyimah are the rulings that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala causes to descend. And as Shaykh Muhammad al-Amin al-Shaqeet is of the opinion that they are books, as Allah says, fiha kutubun qayyimah. They are scriptures and books as Allah mentions in the verse and Allah knows best. Those who are given the book which mentions belief in the Prophet 
did not divide into sects until after the clear sign, referring to the Prophet Muhammad وسلم, or the Qur'an which he brought as a miracle came to them. Before that, they used to agree that they would believe in him when he came. Those of them who rejected him envied him. They were only ordered in their books, the Torah and the Gospel, to worship Allah without committing shirk, making their deen sincerely his, as people of pure natural belief. The word Hunafa, the plural of Hanif, means being upright by following the deen of Ibrahim and the deen of Muhammad وسلم, and to establish the prayer and pay zakah. That is the correct deen. So how can they reject that? The people of the book who disbelieve and the idolaters will be in the fire of hell, remaining in it timelessly forever. This is from Allah Almighty. They are the worst of creatures. But those who believe and do right actions are the best of creatures. Their reward is with their Lord. They will stay in gardens of Eden with rivers flowing under them, remaining in them timelessly forever and ever. Allah is pleased with them for their obedience and they are pleased with him for the rewards he gives. That is for those who fear the punishment of their Lord and do not disobey him. Surah Al-Zazzar, the earthquake. This surah is either Meccan or Medinan and has eight ayat. This is the 99th surah of the Quran, Surah Al-Zazzar, which is a, uh, a surah that scholars differ over, but the majority of them say that it is a Meccan surah. When the earth is convulsed with its quakening, with its quaking, when the last hour comes, as is proper owing to its immensity. And the earth then scourges its charges, casts up its treasures and dead onto its surface. And man, meaning those who deny the resurrection, asks, what is wrong with it? Such a person will not recognize its state. On that day, it will impart all its news, all the good and evil that was done on it. Because your Lord has inspired it. The reason that it will do this is that Allah has commanded it to. In a hadith we find, it will testify against every slave, male and female, to all that they did while on its surface. That day, people will emerge segregated from the place of standing to see the result of their actions. Some will go to the right, to the garden, and some to the left, to the fire, so that they may see the repayment of their actions in the garden or the fire. Whoever does an atom's weight of good will see it. Whoever does an atom's weight of evil will see it. The word dharrah means a tiny ant. Everyone will see the repayment for their actions. In verse number 7 or 6, 7 and 8, the word dharrah is the smallest speck that you can have. The Arabs use the word dharrah to refer to the smallest thing that they were aware of, the smallest thing that they have. 
and that's why it's often referred to as a mustard seed or a speck or now you know we call it an atom's weight it is the smallest amount that is being referred to Surah Al-Adiyat the charges this surah is either Meccan or Medinan and has 11 ayat this is the 100th surah of the Quran Surah Al-Adiyat and Adiyat comes from the first verse and because it is again a description, the scholars differ over what it refers to, which is why they differ as to whether it is a Makki or Madani surah. Those scholars who said that it refers to jihad say that it is a Madani surah, because jihad only becomes a, a part of the religion legislated in the Medinan period. And that is why you find that that is the position of a number of the scholars, such as Ibn Abbas and others. And others said it is a Makki surah. And they say, therefore, that it doesn't refer to jihad and the issues of jihad. And that was the position chosen by Ibn Mas'ud, radiyallahu anhu, amongst others. And Allah knows best. By the charging horses panting hard, which attack in a raid, making a loud noise as they attack. And Allah takes an oath again by something which is a description rather than by an object. And that is why the scholars differ greatly. The majority of the scholars of the position that it is referring to the horses of jihad as they wage jihad and as they run and as they charge in war. And that is why some of those scholars said that it is a Madani surah. But even if Allah is taking an oath by horses that charge, doesn't make the surah necessarily Madani. Could have been revealed in the Meccan pure because the Arabs were familiar with warfare even before Islam. So to be able to appreciate the blessing of the horse as it charges in war isn't something which necessarily requires you to be in war or in the midst of war or for war to be legislated for you and Allah knows best and the other scholars such as Ali radiallahu anh from amongst the companions and Ibn Mas'ud radiallahu anh and others from amongst them said that it doesn't refer to horses but it refers to the camels it is a description of camels and so therefore every verse now that comes from 1 to 5 that will speak about the description of these animals those scholars that say it is horses which is what the author will say will say that it refers to horses and those who say that it refers to camels say that it refers to camels and Ibn Qayyim was of the position that it's possible that it can refer to both Allah takes an oath or I think it was rather Tabari or some of them said that it can refer to both and there's no reason why it cannot refer to both but primarily what seems to be more apparent and Allah knows best is that it refers to horses striking spark from their flashing hooves, when their hooves strike the stones and ground at night. Raiding at full gallop in the early dawn, meaning horsemen attacking the enemy at first light. Leaving a trailing dust cloud in their wake, raising dust because of the speed of their movement. Cleaving through the middle of the foe, penetrating to the hearts of the enemy settlement. And those scholars who say that it refers to the camels, then make tafsir of it as being the camels, striking sparks from their flashing hooves, meaning the camels as they go towards the Hajj. So those who say that it is horses, refer to horses in jihad, not just general horses. And those who say camels, meaning camels, as people travel for Hajj, not just camels in general. So the commonality between the two is that both are being used for the, for the worship of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Verse number 3, riding at full gallop, meaning when as the pilgrims leave, from Muzdalif and go to Mina and they rush through the valley of Muhassar as the Prophet sped up, that's what it's referring to and then they leave the cloud of dust in their wake فَوَصَطْنَ بِهِ جَمْعًا in the middle of the foe meaning فَوَصَطْنَ بِهِ جَمْعًا جَمْعًا is a group of people meaning in Muzdalif as the people gather or in Mina that they are in the middle with their camels so those are two tafsirs and Allah knows best إِنَّ الْإِنْسَانَ لِرَبِّهِ لَكَنُودِ 
truly unbelieving man is ungrateful to his Lord, denying the blessings of Allah. And indeed, he bears witness to that, to his ingratitude against himself by his actions. Truly, he is fierce in his love of wealth and is miserly with it. Does he not know that when the graves are emptied out and the dead emerge from them at the resurrection? And the hearts of content, whether unbelief and, and faith, are brought into the open and made clear and public. On that day, the Lord will certainly be aware of them. He has knowledge and he will repay them for their unbelief. The pronoun here moves to the plural, indicating that man is generic and includes all human beings. Here the statement is particular to this moment, which is the day of repayment. Although, of course, Allah is always aware of them. Surah Al-Qari'ah, the crushing blow. This surah is Meccan and has 11 ayahs. So this is the 101st surah of the Qur'an and it is Meccan by ijma' of the scholars of tafsir as mentioned by Al-Qurtubi rahimahullah ta'ala. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Al-Qari'ah, the crushing blow. Mal-Qari'ah, what is the crushing blow? This is the day of rising which will crush the hearts with its terrors. It is repeated to emphasize its dreadfulness. What will convey to you what the crushing blow is? This question is to emphasize further the terrible nature of that day. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, The crushing blow. And from the scholars who chose the tafsir that the author mentions that it crushes the hearts with the terror of its sound when it strikes is Al-Tabari rahimahullah ta'ala. He says that's what Al-Qari'ah refers to. That it will crush the crushing blow, meaning that it will even reach the depths of the hearts because of its severity. And Allah knows best. It is the day when mankind will be crushed and dispersed like scattered moths, confused locusts, surging into one another out of bewilderment at being summoned for the reckoning. And the mountains like insubstantial tufts of coloured wool. As for him whose balance is heavy, meaning him whose good actions outweigh his evil actions, he will have in a most pleasant life in the garden. He will be delighted with it. But as for him whose balance is light, meaning him whose evil deeds outweigh his good deeds, his motherland, meaning dwelling place, is Hawiyah. In verse number 9, Allah says, فَأُمُّهُ Hawiyah. And the word um literally means mother. And why is it called mother? Because mother is a place where people feel safe. When you, when you want to seek safety, you go to your mother. And so a, an abode in which people will reside in is called ma'wa, from that same word. And so Allah is referring to that. That it is, meaning it will be the place of permanent abode. Or um, Umm al-Shaykh is the top or the pinnacle of it, which is why Umm al-Qura, the mother of the cities, and Umm um is used to mean the pinnacle, which means on the human body, the top of you, your head. That is your pinnacle. That is your Umm. For Umm al-Hawiyah, some of the scholars then combine meaning that they will fall head first into the fire, into the depths of the fire. That is what is being referred to. That when they are thrown in, they are thrown head first. And that is a more severe form of being thrown in to something than if you are feet first. وَمَا أَدْرَاكَ مَا And what will convey to you what that is? نَارٌ حَامِيَةٌ A raging fire. Sort of Tekathur. Competition for gain. 
This surah is Meccan and has eight ayat. This is the 102nd surah of the Quran, and it is a Meccan surah by Jama'ah. The scholars have mentioned by Qurtubi rahimahullah ta'ala, and from the names by which it is known in some narrations is Surah Al Maqbara. The companion, some of them used to refer to this surah as Surah Al Maqbara, which means the surah of the graveyard. Fierce competition for this world distracted you from obeying Allah. This means boasting to one another about wealth, children and followers. And that is examples. It is more than that. Anything that you mass, amass and gather that has no benefit and is excessive is included. To the extent that Shaykh Muhammad in his tafsir says even, even in terms of good things, even in terms of knowledge that you don't need, that you just gather for the sake of gathering. Al-Khatib al-Baghdadi rahimahullah said even books, Islamic books, some people that just have libraries full of books and books that they never use and never read and never look at. He said that it's also from excessiveness. So our religion is about being balanced and about being beneficial in terms of what you do. Until you went down to the graves, meaning when you die and are buried in them, or you count the dead in boasting to one another. And those are two tafsirs. Meaning that you will continue to amass and amass until you die. Or the second tafsir is that you continue to boast about this amassing until you start even boasting about the dead who are in their graves, as the Quraysh would do, that our dead are better than your dead, my ancestors are better than yours. That's what it means. The second tafsir, or you count the dead as well, meaning that your boasting isn't just limited to the dunya. It even includes the deceased. No, indeed, you will soon know. Again, no indeed. You will soon know the evil end of your mutual boasting when you die and then are in the grave. And verses 3 and 4, why does Allah Azza repeat the same thing again? Some of the scholars said that one is to when people enter into the grave and the second one is when they will come out of the grave. That is when they will know. Ibn Qayyim said the first is when they die, they will come to know the reality and the second is when they enter into the grave and Allah knows best. No, indeed, if you only knew the knowledge of certainty, what the result of the competition which distracted you would be. You will certainly see the blazing fire. Then you will certainly see it with the eye of certainty. This repetition is for emphasis. Then you will be asked that day, when you see this, about the pleasures you enjoyed in this world, in terms of good health, free time, security, food and drink and other things. And everything, everything, every blessing that you had, Allah will question you about. As mentioned the hadith of Abu Hurairah in al-Bukhari, that the Prophet came out one night from his house because he was hungry. And he found Abu Bakr and Umar and he said, what brings you out at night? They said, O Messenger of Allah, nothing except hunger. He said, and me as well. So let us go and see someone from the Ansar. So he went to a companion's house who prepared for them food, meat that he cooked for them, and dates and water that he prepared for them. And he gave it to them and they ate. Sallallahu alayhi wa sallam wa radiyallahu anhumah till they were full and satiated. And then the Prophet said to them, Oh, indeed this is from the na'im that you will be questioned about. This is from the blessings that Allah will question you concerning. Meaning every blessing that you had, you will be held to account for. Surah to the late afternoon. This surah is either Meccan or Medinan and has three ayat. This is the 103rd surah of the Quran, Surah Al-Asr. And it is a Meccan surah according to the majority of the scholars, although some of them said it is Madani. And this is the surah that is reported, such as in the Mu'adam of Tabarai and others, that some of the companions when they would meet 
and then they would depart, they would read this surah as they were departing from one another. And this is the surah by which Imam Shafi'i rahimahullah ta'ala said that if people were just to contemplate on this surah, it would be sufficient for them. By the late afternoon, the word asr means either time or between midday and sunset, or the asr prayer. And those are three opinions amongst the opinions concerning the meaning of the word asr. Is it referring to the prayer of asr, or the time period that is the asr time period until the sun sets at Maghrib, or does it mean asr as in generically time? And that was the position chosen by amongst some of them, Ibn Qayyim Ta'ala and Sheikh Muhammad al Amin al Shaqiti alayhi rahmatullah. Truly man, meant generically, is in loss, in his life transactions. Except for those who believe and do right actions, who are not in loss. And urge each other to the truth, which means faith. And urge each other to steadfastness, to obey and not to disobey. Surah Al-Humazah, the backbiter. This surah is either Mecca or Medina and has nine ayat. This is the 104th surah of the Qur'an and it is a Meccan surah according to the majority of the scholars as Al-Qurtubi rahimahullahu ta'ala said. Woe to every fault-finding backbiter. The word wail is a word meaning punishment or a valley in hell. This was revealed about those who used to slander the Prophet and the believers, men such as Umayyah ibn Khalaf, Al-Walid ibn Al-Mughira and others. Verse number one, Humaza and Lumaza, what do they refer to? Both of them are issues to do with vain, evil speech. And the scholars differ, however. Is Humaza the one who backbites and Lumaza the one who, who uh, slanders? Or is Humaza what is done by word and Lumaza what is done by deed, by action? Or is Humaza what is done in front of a person to their face and Lumaza what is done behind their back? Or other positions that they have amongst the scholars. The point being that, however, what joins all of them and combines between them is that there are evil forms of speaking about people, evil ways in which you refer to others. Who has amassed, read up, and wealth and hoarded it, counted it and stored it against the vicissitudes of time. He thinks his wealth will make him live forever because of his ignorance. In verse number 3, he thinks he will make him live forever. The scholars say either he thinks that it will bring him longevity, an increase in lifespan, or that it will save him from death. No, indeed, he will be flung into the shatterer. The word hutama is something which crushes everything that is thrown into it. And what will convey to you what the shatterer is? The kindled fire of Allah Reaching right into the heart The fire rises above the heart and burns them And that involves a far greater pain than any other pain <coughs> It is sealed in above them, covering each of them In towering columns, red as Amad and Umud. The fire is inside the columns. In these last verses, Fi what does it refer to these towering columns? Some of the scholars are of the opinion that it refers to people being punished in columns. That there will be columns in the fire and people will be in them being burned in the fire. And that was the position chosen by Shaykh Muhammad al Amin al Shaqiti. Another scholar said that the Umud, the columns, are the locks of the fire. 
They are the locks just as you bar a gate or you have a door and you bar it with a plank of wood. It is these columns that will bar the gates of the fire. And others from amongst them, such as Imam Tabari said, the columns are what will shackle people. That is what will bind the people in their legs. They will have columns between their feet that will shackle them in that way. And Allah knows best. Surah Al-Fil, the elephant. This surah is Meccan and has five ayahs. And this is the 105th surah of the Quran and is Meccan by Ijma' of the scholars of Mishnah Al-Qurtubi rahimahullah. And from the names of the surah is Surah Alam Tara and Surah Ashab Al-Fil. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Alam Tara kayfa fa'ala rabbuka bi ashab al-fil. Do you not see what your Lord did with the companions of the elephant? This is a question which implies wonder. The companions of the elephant, Mahmud and his owner, Abraha, the king of Yemen and his army. He built a temple in Sana'a in order to, do, to divert people from making pilgrimage to Mecca. A man of the tribe of Kilana went and defiled it and soiled the qibla of the temple with feces to desecrate it. Abraha swore that he would destroy the Kaaba. He came to Mecca with his army on, on the elephant of Yemen, with Mahmud in the vanguard. When they set out to destroy the Kaaba, Allah sent against them what is mentioned in the following verses. And this is a well-known story in the books of, of Tafsir and in the books of history and so on. And that is the story of the elephant and the army of the elephant. And Mahmud, it is said that was the name of the elephant. That's what it's referring to, that the name of the elephant was Mahmud. But anyway, the story with its details are not the place for now. But the point is that Allah Azza wa is referring to this incident. And it is after this incident and within that same year that our Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam was born. أَلَمْ يَجْعَلْ كَيْدَهُمْ فِي تَضْلِيلٍ Did he not bring all their schemes to nothing? Allah thwarted their plan to destroy the Kaaba. وَأَرْسَلَ عَلَيْهِمْ طَيْرًا أَبَابِيلٍ Unleashing upon them flock after flock of birds. Most commentators say that Ababil has no singular, although some say that its plural is Abul, Ibal, or Ibil. Abul, Ibal, Ibil. With a shadda, Ibil. Bombarding them with stones of hard-baked clay. Then making them like stripped wheat stalks eaten bare, like leaves of crops eaten by animals, crushed and crumbled. Allah destroyed each of them with a stone on which was written the name of the person it hit. These stones were larger than lentils and smaller than chickpeas. They pierced the skulls of men and camels before reaching the ground. These events took place the year that the Prophet was born. Surah Quraysh. This surah is either Meccan or Medinan and has four ayahs. This is the 106th surah of the Quran, Surah Quraysh, and it is Makki according to the vast majority of the scholars of Tafsir. And it is the only surah in the Quran in which Allah mentions the name of the tribe of Quraysh. It is the only surah that mentions the name of this tribe. In acknowledgement of the established tradition of Quraysh. In the first verse, the word lamb, the lamb, li'ilafi. What is the lamb for? Some of them said this ta'lil, meaning that because of, for the sake of, that's what it refers to. And others said, such as an Imam al that, that was the position of al-Shawkan al-Tabari, he said this lamb ta'ajjub, in amazement and wonder, wonderment of the situation of Quraysh. What is Allah, Allah is referring to, their established tradition? Number one, it is their, their, their trade that they would go to Syria and to Yemen and have these trade caravans and bring in wealth. Number two, that Allah united them amongst themselves, the Quraysh. And they were not like, for example, in Medina, the Aus and the Khazraj or other parts of Arabia where tribes within the same city and clans would fight with one another. So Allah united them. And number three, Allah gave them safety. 
Because of Mecca, people respected them and respected their city. So they never had to worry for the most part about being attacked and about being harmed. And so Allah Azza wa is referring to these blessings upon them. The tradition of the winter and summer caravans. The repetition is for emphasis. The winter caravan went to Yemen and the summer caravan to Syria. This happened every year. They used the proceeds of the trade of the two caravans to serve the house which was their pride. They were the descendants of Al-Nabu ibn Kinana. So let them worship the Lord of this house. Who has preserved them from hunger and secured them from fear. He has fed them and given them security. They experienced hunger because of the lack of crops in Mecca and they feared the army of the elephants. And that is the great, the two greatest blessings of Allah in order for you to worship Allah Azza wa that He gives you safety and security. So you don't have to worry for your property or your land and he gives you provision so that you have the wealth in, and the means to be comfortable and have sustenance so therefore that you can worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and it is those two blessings that Allah azza wa jal holds over Quraysh because of their refusal to worship him subhanahu wa ta'ala Surah Al-Ma'oon, helping others This surah is either Meccan or Medinan or half and half and has six or seven ayat This is the 107th surah of the Quran, Surah Al-Ma'oon and the scholars, as you can see, differ as to whether it is Makki or Madani. The majority of them are of the position that it is a Makki surah. And from the names that it is known by is Surah Al-Deen and Surah Al-Yateen. Surah Al-Deen meaning the Day of Judgment, Surah Al-Yateen meaning the Orphan. Have you seen him who denies the Deen, meaning denies the repayment and the reckoning? He recognizes him even if he does not acknowledge it. He is the one who harshly rebuffs the orphan and fails to give him his rights. And does not urge on himself or anyone else the feeding of the poor. This was revealed about Al-As ibn Wa'il or Al-Walid ibn Al-Mughirah. So woe to those who do the prayer. But are forgetful of their prayer, meaning neglect their prayer and delay it past its time. Those who show up in the prayer and other actions. And deny help to others. They refuse to lend even things like needles, axes, pots, and plates. In verse number 7, Al Ma'un. Ma'un means to help. For what does it refer to? Some of the scholars said it is zakah, and some of them said other than that. But the strongest of those opinions that Allah Azza knows best is the statement that is mentioned by the author, which is the statement of Ibn Mas'ud radiallahu anhu, that you help them in anything, even in pots and pans. So if someone comes and asks you for help genuinely, and you can genuinely help them, then you should do so in whatever way you are able to, because that is from the ways of the believers and from the character of the Muslims. Surah Al-Kawthar, the great abundance. This surah is either is Meccan or Medinan and has three ayahs. This is the 108th surah of the Quran, Surah Al-Kawthar, which refers to the river of the Prophet And the scholars differ concerning this surah as a Makki or Madani because the third verse seems to show that it is a Makki surah because it speaks about one of the Meccan leaders. But the first verse it is authentically reported in the hadith of Anas radiallahu that he says that the Prophet was sitting in our company, meaning in Medina then. And revelation came to him and then he said that Allah has given me a river called Al-Kawthar because he received revelation. And that's why the position of the majority of the scholars is that the surah is Madani and Allah knows best. Truly we have given you the great abundance. This is addressed to Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa Kawthar is a river in the garden from which the basin of his community is watered. 
Kawkab means immense good in the form of prophethood, Quran, intercession, and other things. In the first verse, when he says Kawthar is a river in the garden from which the basin of his community, meaning the Hawl, the Kawthar, which is the river, is in Jannah, the Hawl is outside of Jannah, where the believers will go and the Prophet will draw water for them. May Allah Azza wa give us that blessing. So pray to your Lord as sacrifice. This refers to the prayer of the Eid of sacrifice. Sacrifice your sacrificial animals. It is the one who hates you who is cut off without posterity, cut off from all good, or cut off from having descendants. This was revealed about Al-Aq ibn Wa'il who called the Prophet Abtar, cut off, when his son Al-Qasim died. And that's why some of the scholars said it is a Makki surah, because of this verse. That this man would say, Abtar, Abtar means that you have no descendants, you're cut off, either from good or from having any male descendants, meaning from your male line. Surah Al-Kafirun, the rejecters. This surah is either Meccan or Medinan and it has six ayat. This was revealed when a group of unbelievers said to the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa Worship our gods for a year and we will worship your God for a year. This is the 109th surah of the Quran and it refers to the Kafirun, who are the disbelievers. And this narration that the author ta'ala, gives, and that's why most of the scholars think that is a Mecca surah. This narration that he gives is an authentic narration, it is a Hassan narration. That they said to the Prophet ﷺ, why don't you worship our gods for a year and we will worship yours for a year and that way we can reach some compromise between us. Say, O unbelievers, I do not worship what you worship, I do not worship idols. And you do not worship what I worship, meaning you do not worship Allah Almighty alone. Nor will I worship what you worship in the future. Nor will you worship what I worship in the future. Allah knows that they will not believe. You have your deen and I have my deen. You have shirk and I have Islam. This was revealed before the command to fight came. In this surah, you have a repetition of verses from verses 2 and 5. And the scholars differ as to what that repetition is for. And... One, some of them say that the first two are about the, 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 the present and the next two are for the future. And some say vice versa, meaning that I don't worship your gods now, nor will I in the future. And you do not worship my gods now, nor will you in the future. That is what the repetition is for. It is to negate not only the Prophet agreeing to this compromise in the present, but also for the future. It's not something that he would ever consider. Surah Al-Nakhl, victory. It was revealed at Mina during the farewell Hajj. And so it is counted as Medina, even though it was revealed in Mecca. It was the last surah to be revealed and has three ayat. This is the 110th surah of the Quran, Surah Al-Nasr. And it is a Madani surah because it's revealed post-Hijrah, even though it's revealed towards the time of the farewell Hajj of the Prophet in Mecca. And from the names that it is known by is Surah Al-Tawdi'ah, the farewell surah, because in it the Prophet took from it the lesson or the, the, the signal that his time was coming to an end upon this earth. When Allah's help given to his Prophet against his enemies and victory, meaning the conquest of Mecca, have arrived. And you have seen people entering Allah's deen, meaning Islam, in droves. Whereas before, they used to enter it one by one. That happened after the conquest of Mecca when the Arabs began to come from all areas of the land to offer their submission. And that is the ninth year of the Hijrah, known as Amul Wufud, the year of delegations, when the Arab tribes began to come to Medina and to accept Islam wholesale. 
فسبح بحمد ربك واستغفره إنه كان توابا Then glorify your Lord's praise and ask his forgiveness. He is the ever-relenting. After this surah was revealed, the Prophet ﷺ often said, Glory be to Allah and by his praise. I ask forgiveness of Allah and I turn in repentance to him. From this revelation, he realized that his death was near. Mecca was conquered in Ramadan 8 AH and the Prophet ﷺ died in Rabi'ah al-Awwal 10 AH. Surah Al-Lahab or Al-Masad, the flame or palm fiber. This surah is Meccan and has five ayahs. This is the 107th surah of the Quran which has a number of names, Lahab, and Masad, and Tabbat. And this is a Makki surah by Ijma' of the scholars of Tafsir. Ruin to the hand of Abu Lahab and ruin to him. When the Prophet ﷺ called his people saying, I am a warner to you of a terrible punishment, his uncle Abu Lahab said, Ruin to you. Did you gather us for this? Then this was revealed. The hand means all of him. It is used metaphorically to denote the entire person because most actions are done using the hand. This sentence is an imprecation. When the Prophet ﷺ warned him about the punishment, he said, If what my nephew says is true, then I will ransom myself from it with my wealth and children. So the next ayah was revealed. And this hadith that the author mentions in verse number one is an authentic hadith, the hadith of Ibn Abbas and Sahih al-Bukhari. And the repetition of the word tabbat, tabbat ya abi lahabin wa tabb, one of the opinions is as the scholar, as, as the author mentions, that it is him and his actions that Allah says are in ruin. And some of the scholars said that the first is a dua and the second is a response. May the two hands of Abu Lahab be perished and he is perished, meaning that Allah responded to that. His wealth has not helped him, nor have his children, nor has anything he has earned. He will burn in a flaming fire. That Lahab means a fire which flames. This alludes to his nickname, Abu Lahab, literally father of flame, by which he was called due to the redness of his face. And so with his wife, the firewood carrier, Burn. She was named Umm Jamil. She carried wood and thorns and threw them in the path of the Prophet ﷺ. With a rope of twisted fiber round her neck. This describes her appearance at the time. Surah Al-Ikhlas, Sincerity. This surah is Meccan or Medinan and has four or five ayahs. This is the 112th surah of the Quran. And in the vast majority of the opinion, the vast majority of the scholars of Tafsir, it is a Meccan surah. And from the names of this surah is Surah Al-Tawheed, and Surah Al-Iman, and Surah Al-Mu'awwid. And it has a number of other names that it is known by, but Al-Ikhlas is its most famous. Say he is Allah, absolute oneness. The Prophet was asked about his Lord, and then this was revealed. And this is an authentic narration in the Tirmidhi and Ahmad. It is an authentic narration that the Quraysh came and they said, O oh Muhammad, tell us the lineage of your Lord. What is his background? So Allah revealed this. And this is why it is called the Surah of Tawheed. It tells you who Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is and all that you need to know about him. Allah, the everlasting sustainer of all. He is the one to whom people always turn for their needs. He has not given birth and was not born. This is the negation of anyone else having the same nature as him, because he is not subject to temporality. And no one is comparable to him. Surah Al-Falaq, Daybreak. This surah is either Meccan or Medinan and has five ayahs. Both it and the one after it were revealed when Labid, the Jew bewitched the Prophet ﷺ using a string with 12 knots in it. Allah informed him of that and of where it was. Someone appeared before him, 
May Allah commanded him to recite the two surahs. Each time he recited an ayah of them, a knot was released, and he experienced relief until all the knots were undone, when he rose as if released from a hobble. This is Surah Al-Falaq, the 113th Surah of the Qur'an. And this and the next Surah, according to the majority of the scholars, are Medinan Surahs. And they are Surahs that, um, that are also known together collectively. Surah Falaq al-Nas is the Mu'awwidatin, or the Mu'awwidatan, the two Surahs, that you seek refuge in because they protect you. And there are many, many, just as with Surah Khlas, many virtues that are mentioned that we don't have the time to go into now, but I think it is something which is fairly well known. بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم قل أعوذ برب الفلق Say I seek refuge with the Lord of Daybreak من شر ما خلق From the evil of what he has created Both domesticated animals and wild animals And inanimate things like poison and such like And the best of series that is general Every evil that Allah has created من شر ما خلق And that's why Allah doesn't say من الشر He says من شر Leaves it general Because it encompasses every evil and from the evil of the darkness when it gathers, meaning the night when it gets dark and the moon when it is invisible. Because that is a time when people are more likely to commit evil and do harm in the night. So we seek refuge in Allah from the evil and what it brings, from the night and the evil that it brings. And from the evil of women who blow on nuts. Meaning witches who blow on their nuts tied in pieces of string. It is a kind of blowing like spitting without actual spittle. According to Az-Zamakhshari, it means people like the daughters of Habib. And from the evil of an envier when he envies. One who shows his envy and acts on it as Habib did for the Jews who envied the Prophet And in this surah we seek refuge in Allah from external evil. That is what we are seeking refuge from. And some of the scholars said that they go up in evil. Number one is the general evil that Allah creates. Then number two is more specific and that is the evil that the night can sometimes bring. And then number three is the evil of witchcraft. And number four is the worst of that, which is the evil of the diseases of the heart, such as envy and jealousy. Surah Al-Nas, Mankind. This surah is either Meccan or Medinan and has six ayahs. And this is the 114th and last surah of the Qur'an, and it is Surah Al-Nas. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Qul a'udhu bi nas Say, I seek refuge with the Lord of Mankind, their Creator and Master. Mankind are singled out for mention to honor them, and because it is appropriate since they are seeking refuge from the evil of the whisperer inside their breasts. Malikinnas, the king of mankind. Ilahinnas, the god of mankind. From the evil of the insidious whisperer, meaning shaitan. He is so called because that is what he often does. He is called khannas, insidious, or slinking. Because he slinks and retreats from the heart whenever Allah is remembered. And in Surah Al-Nas, we seek refuge in Allah from the internal evil. Surah Falaq was external evil, Surah Nas is internal evil. And to show that the internal evil of shaitan and his whisperings and the temptations that he brings are far more dangerous to us than the external evils, in Surah Falaq, Allah only mentions his name once, Birabbil Falaq. And then Allah lists the evil in different forms. But in Surah Nas, we see refuge in Allah three times with three different names and attributes of Allah from only one evil, which shows you how much more dangerous this evil is, and that is the one of Shaitan. Who whispers in people's breasts, meaning in their hearts, when they neglect to remember Allah. And that is the difference between his whisperings and the whisperings of everyone else. The whisperings of Shaitan come directly into the heart. And Shar al Waswas al Khannas, al Waswas is the one who whispers, Khannas is the one who retreats when you remember Allah. And that is why when you remember Allah, Shaitan leaves. 
and that is one of the greatest ways to overpower and overcome shaitan by being engaged constantly in the remembrance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And comes from the jinn and from mankind. The shaitan who whispers can be a jinn or human. As Allah Almighty says in another place, shaitans are men and jinn. It can mean that the whispering comes from jinn and men, and include those who are evil like Labid and his daughters. Human beings do not whisper in the breasts of people, jinn whisper in their breasts, while men whisper in the breasts of jinn. Men, however, also whisper by means of what they do outwardly, which then reaches the heart and becomes fixed in it. Allah knows best. And with that, we come to the end of Surah An Nas and the end of this juz, and therefore the end of the book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And we ask Allah Azza wa Jal by His most beautiful names and lofty attributes that He accepts this from us, and that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala makes us from the people of the Qur'an, and that He makes it a means of our elevation in, the, in this life and the next, and that Allah Azza wa Jal rewards us abundantly and showers His mercy upon us and forgives us for our sins and our errors and our mistakes, and that Allah Azza wa Jal makes the Qur'an a evidence for us and not against us on the day of judgment and an intercessor on our behalf and something that will shade us on a day that there will be no shade except the shade that Allah Azza wa provides for whomsoever He wills. It is important at this stage to understand and acknowledge the blessing of Allah Azza wa that Allah has bestowed upon us to be able to complete the tafsir of the complete Qur'an even though it is in a very summarized and brief way because it is from the favors of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that He allows someone to read the Qur'an, to understand the Qur'an, to apply the Qur'an, to contemplate over the book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And so we thank Allah azza wa jalla and we praise Him as we make dua at this time that Allah azza wa jalla accepts our efforts and overlooks our shortcomings. And Shaykh Abdul Rahman ibn Sa'di rahimahullah at the end of his tafsir, he says, despite my best attempts and efforts, this tafsir still has much that needs to be added to it and much that needs that is desired from it because of my shortcomings. And when a person sins and becomes distant from Allah, Allah wills from them the meanings of his book and the contemplations of the Qur'an. And if that is the likes of the teacher of many of our teachers, then what about us? When it comes to the book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, note that there will be many mistakes that have been made in this because it is a human effort. So we turn to Allah azza wa jal in forgiveness and in repentance. Number two, I want to say that it is important also that we send rahmah and the mercy of Allah Azza wa Jalla upon the two authors whose work that we benefited from Jalaluddin al-Mahalli and Jalaluddin al-Siyuti alayhima rahmatullahi ta'ala because of their knowledge and their efforts and we can see from this work despite some of the mistakes and reservations that each and every single scholar makes that they have an amazing amount of knowledge that they had in this book and their tafsir is amazing and its depths are very very many although we had, didn't have the time and the opportunity to go through into many of those tangents. We ask Allah Azza wa Jalla that He showers His mercy upon them, and that Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta'ala elevates their status on Yawm Al-Qiyamah, and that Allah Azza wa Jalla rewards them for the knowledge that they left behind for others to benefit. And then also in that same regard, the translators who did a very good job overall in terms of translating a book that is extremely difficult and hard to translate, and even though I know that sometimes I pick on points and I'm certain maybe come across as harsh, that is because it is the amanatul ilmiyyah, it is the sanctity of knowledge that we're preserving. And not because I have any issue between myself or any of these other people. May Allah Azza wa reward them with good for their efforts. I also want to thank Ismail. May Allah Azza wa bless him for his efforts. He's clearly had the harder job in this month than I have. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, may Allah Azza wa reward him for his efforts and that patience that he's shown. You can imagine how hard it is for you to listen to this three hours a day, then imagine how hard it is to read for that same period of time. May Allah Azza wa increase him in his blessings and in his knowledge, and may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala show his favor and mercy upon him. And likewise, the brothers here at the masjid, 
who were in charge of the recording and all of the logistics that come with a class like this, especially in the circumstances that we are currently in. And I also want to thank all of you for watching and being attentive students for this period of this month. I was looking yesterday on the Mission YouTube channel to see the number of views and they have consistently been around the 2000 mark, which I think exceeds the expectations of many people for something like this with its length and its depth and the amount of time that it's taken and it being a daily class. So as for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that he blesses everyone and he shows that inshallah ta'ala there is amongst us that need and that desire to study knowledge in this way in what is a classical and methodological manner. And as for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that he blesses you and all of your families and that Allah azza wa makes us from those people who study this religion so that we can come closer to him subhanahu wa ta'ala. So with that inshallah ta'ala we come to the end of this series. So irrespective of what happens tomorrow, Ramadan, no Ramadan, there will be no class. And I ask Allah Azza wa Jalla that He makes it easy for us to continue to learn and seek knowledge and to teach in this way in inshallah ta'ala future programs. Hada wa sallallahu wa sallam ala nabiyyana Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in wa akhiru da'wana an alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. This recording was produced by Green Lane Masjid. For more information on the activities and services the mosque provides, please visit www.greenlanemasjid.org.